you live what up guys on the svb and i know flash has already going on this but welcome back guys it has been a while since we last saw you but here we are once more for the return of the group up podcast and i'm delighted to have with me the usual company and a new special guest who brings with him the old spirit so let's quickly go through <laughs> and we're going to get right into it because there's a lot to discuss a lot of news a lot of awesome stuff and of course overwatch 2 upon us so in the bottom right is my man samito samito what's up how's it going good to see you again man Good to see you too, We're brother. Back. And in the top left, we got Flats. Flats, what up? Glasses gang. Hello, hello. Yeah, so I can see now. It's kind of cool. <laughs> it's a whole new world. <laughs> and in the it's bottom left, first time. Oh, sorry, Flats. Go ahead. Oh, you're good. All right. Well, in the bottom left, first time on the podcast, uh, upgrade or replacement of Frito, you decide. And uh, with <laughs> Frito, with Frito in the spirit behind him, New Zealand's gift to esports, Avril. What you doing, man? Thanks, dude. Um, I actually used to wear glasses, but I uh, got rid of my glasses and replaced them with uh, surgery eyes about six months ago. So now Yo. I can see good. You're so, like living in the Overwatch you. world, where it's just thank like they you. just make their body better rather than wear yeah. glasses. This is how I this is how I prep for Overwatch too. You know, you know, I the game's doing its its job of trying to make the game more readable. I'm doing my job of trying to read better <laughs> too. You know, and with that combined, with our powers combined, I can see the game well. Yo, casting's about to pop off. All right, guys, <laughs> we're here. I, I, we've been on this podcast for I don't how long have we been doing this, guys? Like a year, just the us as a squad. I've been doing this for a long time, but over a year. It's been two, dude. It's been two years. Two been years. Two years. Oh my god. Two years, and I didn't think this day was gonna come. But here we are. Oh, five Tuesday. minutes for me. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday, Overwatch Two finally drops. Now there's a lot of controversial stuff to discuss for us. We will get right into it, but just as a quick touching point to see where everyone stands before we get into it i want to ask you guys on a scale of one to ten first tell me how hyped you are for the for the launch on tuesday and also how generally happy or confident you are with the decisions that have been made the decisions we're going to discuss about Overwatch 2 so i'm going to start with sam sam one out of ten on both of those honestly like I'm not like super hype. The best mentality I could describe is like, you know how Kobe Bryant came up to to in the finals, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm not smiling. Like the job's not done yet." You know, like we're on a really great path, and I'm I'm happy, really happy to have Overwatch like back playable. But you know, we kind of talked about this before the show a little bit, where I said, you know, I feel like everyone's like expecting this to be the finish line, but really this is just the starting line. So I'm so happy. Like we're we're out of the tunnel. And now we're out in, 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 in the open green fields, right? But there's still a lot of highway ahead of us to keep driving down. Or, or is it a, t a train tunnel? I don't even know what the saying is. Whatever. Whatever, <laughs> whatever floats your tunnel, right? Could be a boat. You could be in a boat in the tunnel. But either way, you know, I, I am excited. I'm really happy to play a different game. I'm excited to play, like, just, just the big update to, like, everything. It's just going to be feel fresh. And I, so I am really happy for that. But I also am a big advocate of not celebrating, for, quote from Joe Paterno, to all you football people out there. You know, don't celebrate what's expected of you, right? And so I'm excited and I'm happy, but I also want to keep the bar set up here so that we can keep moving and not just have a good release. But like, you know, it's it's long term, right? You know, you heard John Spector talk about this a lot. You know, it's, you know, we have a lot to do. It's not an every, it's, it's a different model. It's not the, hey, you bought this game. Here's everything at once. It's no, hey, slow, steady. It's a marathon, not a sprint. So I'm going to treat it like the marathon that it is and be very happy with things that come but also you know weather my expectations and go little by little to make sure that it goes well mm -hmm. 
I'm glad we already got the Samito metaphors in because it wouldn't be a group up podcast no. without some of the Samito metaphors. All right, flats. So on the on those two scales, one to ten, your sort of general hype and your your pleasedness with their decisions that they've made. Yeah, let's just let's just finish the bingo card. Brig. And one time I went on a, a trip somewhere. Okay, so um, <laughs> so I mean Sam nailed it though. Uh, this is and this is actually kind of taken from things that we've heard and. I heard this even being thrown around when we did, went to the summit was uh, this isn't the finish line. It's the starting line. And I think it's a great mentality to have. I would say on a realistic scale of of one to ten, I'm about an eight right now. Um, I was at about a seven a few days ago. It's now gone up to an eight in the last few days. So now we've been able to start showing off like some of our watch two gameplay and seeing the community's reaction. And I just want to point out really fast the funniest part of all was like about a week or two ago, we were all fighting with each other. And now it's us versus the gaming community. <laughs> it's just like an all-out war. We're all on the same team. But point is, though, uh, I think I'm probably going to keep getting more excited over the next few days. Uh, I've started to see more and more like advertisements and people talking about Overwatch 2. Um, I think that's when you, when you see like people genuinely caring. And then like that day before, I think that's when it's going to hit a 10. And when everyone's like, I can't wait and everyone's already pre-downloading and talking about pre-downloading and it's like everyone's going to be talking about it on Twitter because nobody reads. Everyone's just kind of dumb. Uh, they're like, oh, it's midnight. Why is the game not out yet? What? And it's like everyone's going to have to tell them, no, it, it launches at 3 o'clock EST. Um, but the point is, though, it's like people will be talking because they're going to be like, I can't play Overwatch anymore. My Overwatch 1 doesn't work. So, like, that's going to be the pinnacle moment of, like, we we are, we are all anyone can talk about. We're rent, living rent free in everyone's heads, and that'll be the ten out of ten moment for me at least. Absolutely. Well, you know what do they say? It's like the I mean, best way to up your domestic policy is just to like have a foreign invasion. So that's what's happened here. We just kind of shields up because there's some people outside talking shit about us. We talk shit, but no one else outside can talk shit. Uh, and mm -hmm. Avril, what about yourself? I, yeah. I'm sorry if I cut I you off there. I'm at like a, no, I was about to just say it anyway, like uh, I'm probably around a high eight hitting towards a nine. Uh, I will refrain from going to 10 just here, just because I still want to just see what launch day looks like. I'm, I'm maybe a little bit uh, curious about if we're going to get a very smooth launch. I know this was a very aggressive timeline for launch for the Overwatch team. Um, you know, they wanted to launch literally as soon as possible. And for them, October 4th is like the, as soon as possible. Like, I don't think they could have launched a single day earlier. Like there's so much going on behind the scenes. Um, to get it all done. So I'm just hoping that, you know, with trying to reach this date, they can sort of hit that deadline and for it to all be smooth on day one. Cause um, I just want to hit the ground running. I'm ready to hit the ground running, you know, and, and to speak about the, um, the sort of quote there about this being uh, the starting line, not the finish line, uh, which I agree with. I'm also along the lines of thinking about from the perspective of this being a bit of an unpausing, like I feel like we've paused right now. We're finally unpausing. And sort of getting back on track because this is a commitment to a this is the the blizzard and team four com committing to um a new content pipeline and an increased content pipeline like people don't realize but the, the the development team for overwatch is like the biggest it's ever been so like they are seriously committing so i'm i'm excited um based on that and just based on the things that are coming that we are all looking forward to um but just holding out a little bit just to see how launch goes if that goes smoothly then you know i might be able to attend Hmm. I'm with you there. Like I, I think I would describe myself somewhere between eight and nine. I'm, I'm hyped and I'm, I'm excited to, to get going. But uh, there is some doubt. There is some naysaying. There is some people out there who, uh, 
are not too happy with what they've heard. And I think one of the prime sources of that is what I'd like to get right into discussing, guys. The battle pass. And more importantly, the hero paywalling. So for those unfamiliar, we've been finally, you know, we've been asking on this podcast for free to play for a long time. So we're biased shills. And we've got it. We've got a battle pass model. <laughs> but as part of that, we also have the news that wasn't received all too well that uh, some heroes, well, the new heroes, will either be available in the battle pass or a grind in the free battle pass with around level 55 currently is what has been set. Uh, now, this doesn't apply to Kiriko. If you own Overwatch 1, you will get her regardless. But a lot of people have been very upset that this is a bad precedent, that this is a money-grabbing move. So I'm going to start with, I think the most skeptical of us of the, the formula is Sam. So I want to start with the skeptical first. Sam, uh, Hero Paywall, Battle Pass, $10. What do you make of it? So it's kind of like, it's very weird because it, it's one of those situations where nothing's perfect, right? In the ideal situation for me, I don't really care what game it is. Like, cause I, know I, I see a lot of people be like, oh, well, Valorant and all these other games are the same, which is, which is true. Warzone does it. I tend to look more internally at ATVI because, you know, they're probably going to take them. Like, Warzone's been doing this for a while. I have a couple concerns, but also... Like, that's kind of what has to happen if you go free-to-play. So, the the question is, like, this is a bargain, like, a, you know, kind of a... Oh, my goodness, I'm already doing it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like a package deal, okay? It's a package deal. You can't get one without the other, because there's not a price tag on the game at the front. You have to monetize well what's inside, right? And I don't like heroes being behind a play, specifically a play wall, it's a play wall, most importantly. I mean, you will be able to buy immediate access, right? Because you can jump tiers in the battle pass by purchasing it, right? Um, I think it's necessary, though. Like, I'm willing to, like, take I thought a step it was just back XP. on that one. Was it XP? Could you not I don't think buy... you can. I don't think you can skip levels. I think you get a 20% XP boost. And I, I no, did not I hear think, anything about I think levels. there is, if I'm not mistaken, there is a version where you can buy where you start at, like, level 30 or something. Yeah, I that's think. what they do in okay. Warzone. So okay. my guess is they do the same thing. Like, for example, in Warzone, like, right. when Season 4 came out, they had a new SMG called the Marco. It was pretty broken. Um, and it had, like, insane movement speed everything. You got it at level, at tier 20, which I was surprised at level 55. Like, if anything, you mm -hmm. might need to bring that closer, right? Because I think what was so appealing about Overwatch... Like, the heroes are the game, right? Like, it, compared to Warzone, like, the guns are important, yes, but there's, like, so many on the ground you can get, et cetera, et cetera. But the heroes in Overwatch, that's the game. Like, that, that, like you can't run around as a ghost. Not yet. Maybe there's some new hero coming out eventually that's a literal ghost. Who knows what's going to come out in the Overwatch scene. But, you know, it, it, it's tough. I think I'm okay with it because I've started to, like, let it really think about it, let it sit and say, okay, like, this is kind of how this game has to make money, and if you want this game to succeed, it has to make money. It's a business. At the end of the day, it's a business, and it has to make money, and there's no better way in free-to-play to make money than through that, especially with all the new skins that we're seeing. Dude, the freaking Genji skin, are you kidding me? I'm gonna be feeding my brains out on that thing. <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm ready to roll. <laughs> like, let's go, right? Um... So I, I actually do think it's okay. I think people, once it comes out, it'll be much more forgiving than people think. I think there's just some general outrage on that. But once I think people realize, hey, the game's free now, we're seeing a lot more people, it's very easy to look from behind the gates of being, the gates of purgatory of being in Overwatch 1, I'd describe it as, and say, oh, well, they're putting this behind the wall. No, but like at the end of the day, once you actually walk out of Overwatch 1 purgatory, you know, you are going to say, hey, wait, this actually isn't that bad. Now, the the real concern is, like, down the line is obviously by the time people get competitive, every hero should be unlocked. And I think that in a competitive mode, I don't care if you haven't unlocked the heroes yet at all. 
I, I think that everyone should have every single character able to be played at all time. That's where I kind of draw the line. It's like, okay, well, after maybe a season or so, everybody should have everything because that's kind of what Warzone does. Like, there's some guns that are Battle Pass exclusive, but like midway through season four, all of a sudden, hey, you know, the achievements and the Battle Pass stuff that you have to get to get all these guns, we're going to open them all up. And that option is still available to the Overwatch team too. And I think that as time goes on, I, I have a feeling that'll be what ends up happening um, because, again, it's... It's a very, the, very great To idea. interject, the counter-argument might be, well, should you be playing a hero in comp if you've never played them in any other mode? I mean, I, I don't see the reason to really limit it. People are going to do what they're going to do, and I think the freedom of being able to pick what you want, especially in a roll queue format, like if we were in open queue, I might agree with you, but since we're already kind of restricting you know, how the game actually flows and the structure of the game, I think the freedom to pick is just so essential to make ro roll queues still feel fresh and have like a really open cast. Um, I, again, I'm not exactly sure where that line draws yet. That's kind of uncharted territory for all of us, so we're going to have to walk around a little bit. That's why I'm not too keen on people bashing on the dev team for it. And that's coming from me, right? You know, I've, I've had my fair share of qualms with how things were done, but when it's uncharted territory, you have to be fair. Like, you know, we don't know yet, and I, I want to wait and see how it goes. Uh, my gut instinct says, though, like, I'd like people to be able to pick, but yeah, maybe over a time frame, but we'll, we'll, we'll see on that one. We'll see on that one. So I want to I take it to Flats next. Before I do, I want to share a little tidbit, which is that uh, Flats and I actually went to Summit, and uh, we, were, we were discussing this very idea explicitly before we were given any information. Flats, me, and Frito, three of the four. We were actually explicitly discussing hero paywalling before we had this information from Blizzard, and we were all very worried and very scared. Like, what if, what if they did this? What if they put heroes behind? <laughs> and we were, we were ready to, like, we were really like getting very worried and very upset by this idea. But me personally, when I saw the exact breakdown of it, I was much more at ease and pretty much kind of on board, although we'll elaborate on that later. Flats, what about you? Like you were worried, you were worried with me. Are you still very worried or are you a bit more convinced now that you've seen how it's going to happen? Oh yeah. I mean, it was like, what? 9am. We went out drinking the night before sitting under the stairs going, Oh man, I hope to God. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the looks we were uh, chat by the way the little tidbit Frats and I during the entire time Blizzard were giving us news Flats and I were just passing looks at each other like and it was okay. oh it was great cause like it was like it was like a small you know like every, every time like something came out I was like you know like it's like oh, okay. you know can't say anything cause like you don't want to interrupt but it's like or like mm, I don't know is, is that um, the first time you heard about paywalling? Like your no. first reaction? alright oh, you no know, it's just like like what level like could have possibly gone to you know oh, what i right, mean right, right. it's yeah. like i honestly i agree with sam i think putting like heroes behind paywall is just not overwatch's like core um and i think that they're struggling on their messages quite a bit um and they but like they're they've never talked before so like you kind of got to give them a little bit of that it's like they're learning how to communicate because they've never done it before so they'll get better with it in time at least. Um, but at the moment, they don't know how. So, for example, um, one of the blog posts said that their philosophy is changing on they want on how heroes will work and how they don't want there to be, like, an always counter-picking uh, meta. They want every hero to have its own, like, niche but be good. Uh, and then they release Junker Queen and Kiriko. <laughs> uh, first off... I saw Metro's tier list this morning, which was the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. That was the worst tier list in the history of Overwatch 2. Like, I, I sorry, I'm sorry, Metro, but like Metro catching strings. Like, what did you like? Put ball in like C tier. I'm like, 
did you even play against a ball player like at all um but anyways and but junker queen was the one that was in like c b tier and i was like you're telling me junker queen is b tier uh junker queen is is genuinely fucking dead uh that character is not being picked at all um i think i tried to play her for a little bit it took me about nine games to get one game of footage uh because that's how bad i was getting shit on uh and it wasn't like i was bad at the character i I was doing negative damage uh point being though uh is they're not really good at like kind of communicating a lot of these things um and kind of like coming back to the whole paywall thing i think that they kind of could have done a better job with like kind of emphasizing what is the battle pass experience um because Someone did some quick math off of like the video I released yesterday, which like, cause I showed all the daily challenges and stuff like that. Um, and you can get off of doing all the daily challenges. You get like, if on the free version, like 75% of the battle pass done just on the challenges. Like if you didn't even do any match XP at all. Um, so I'm not really sure if it's going to be like a big grind or a small grind, but they needed to incentivize somewhere. Um, the battle pass because it looks like they're having a system where it's not you're not going to be able to buy it again by using coins farmed through the battle pass if that makes sense so um that was always going to be a big pushback so they need to pack it with value and i think their idea was putting kitiko in for early fomo value and then the mythic skin which they really should have pushed more uh, and talking about like how important that is as the end of the battle pass because yeah it's not best for the competitive experience and it's not best for the like the core game's values however though is it probably the best way that we could find a middle ground between making money off of the heroes and not being exploitative with it i think it was probably the best route because in other games like apex you're getting an heirloom for like minimum like 200 bucks maximum 500 bucks and you're getting the top tier stuff from Overwatch in the Battle Pass. Uh, it's a trade-off at that point, you know? Like, of the rest of the value of the Battle Pass, at least to me, is enough to be like, okay, you know what? If I had to pay for the hero at the beginning of the season, fine. I'll do it. But if you don't want to pay for it, you absolutely can earn it otherwise. It's just like... It's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard question to answer. I, I don't really like it that much, but I think it, I think it was probably their best call. Avril, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I, uh, first of all, I think, um, in terms of being skeptical, uh, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I felt like Frito was actually pretty skeptical too, but I don't know if I'm going to represent him properly here. Maybe not, but, um, no, I mean, Frito was I, very, very, when we discussed this, Frito yes. was like, man, I am super, he was way worse idea. than we were. Yeah. Me and Flats were like, yeah, maybe Frito was like, no, I, I dude. I've talked to him plenty, so I know he was super skeptical. Um, but uh, from my perspective, look, I didn't. When I first found out, I did not enjoy it at first. At first, I was, it definitely made me feel a bit uneasy. It was like, I don't know about this. Like, I, I had a lot of questions about, like, well, how are they going to implement this? How fair is it going to feel? All this kind of stuff, right? Um, and I guess, like, coming from Overwatch 1 mindset, all those things are ringing a lot of alarm bells. But, you know, the more I find out about the game, the more I find out about the direction, about what they want to do, I guess. Um, the more at ease I am about it. Uh, to be clear, even though I've like publicly, if anyone that's followed me, you've seen that I've probably defended the battle pass plenty. I don't love that heroes are being locked behind a wall. 
but I'm also coming to terms with the fact that uh, without wanting to sound like I'm Stockholm syndrome or something, I don't. I'm I'm come to I've come to the terms of the fact that you know, it's especially in comparison to other battle passes. Definitely not the worst thing in the world, just looking at how other games have done their stuff. And I think that's a fair comparison before anyone's like, well, it's not the same game. It's like, when you look at free-to-play games, you do have to compare to the free-to-play market and what the industry standard is. Um, and, I mean, beyond that as well, it's like, I think Blizzard also need to decide, like, is the intention that everyone should have every hero? Or what is the intention? Because... To my knowledge, there's like no upper limit. Uh, if we assuming, if we're assuming the game just continues development for X amount of time, whoever, just an indefinite amount of time, forever, right? Like, what's how many heroes are we eventually going to have? And is the expectation that everyone should have every single hero, or are we going to live in a world where some players are not going to have every hero? And then, what does that look like? What does their gameplay look like? Because um, I want to talk about this from the context of League of Legends. I've been playing League of Legends since 2013. I don't own every champion. There's like 140 champions. I don't own all of them. Um, but I think I'm at the I think uh it's a very normal experience in that game where not only not owning all the champions is like not the end of the world. Um and the game is formulated around a way where like, you know, you can probably skip a few. Like there's been some champion releases. I skip them. I don't need to own that. Uh, and I feel like most players probably feel the same. I think it's quite rare for League of Legends players, generally speaking, to own every single champion. Now, I'm not saying that's the direction that Blizzard should be taking, or that they are taking, or that I want them to take. I don't know that I want them to take that direction, but I need them to commit to saying, like, you know, well, what do they want? Do they think every player should have every single hero? Because if they do, then it needs to be very accessible for everyone to unlock every hero, right? Like, every single new hero release has to be, like, very, very accessible. And if we're, f if we're finding out that new heroes currently, the level 55 uh, out of 80 on the Battle Pass is still too restrictive, they may need to adjust that down to 40 or below or whatever to make it easier. Um, but if they're deciding that not every single player needs every single hero, well, then they need to be very firm with their hero design in a way where like not owning a specific hero or skipping a specific hero on a specific release is not going to be damaging to your gameplay. But that's a very deliberate thing to do. Um, and you definitely can't half-ass that. You can't be in a position where like, you know, uh, you are going to be at a competitive disadvantage by not owning a hero, but they're also not being open enough about giving you easy access to those heroes. And that's where I think problems can arise. And that would be like the nightmare scenario for me. But, you know, uh, I just don't fully know what direction Blizzard are going in just yet. So there's still a lot of questions there. But, you know, I'm, I'm coming to terms with heroes being in the battle pass. And I think when you look at it from Blizzard's POV, like their motivation of without I mean, the obvious answer is money but like it's, it's a little bit more uh nuanced than that it's not just money right it's about what is the thing that adds the most value to the battle pass and they themselves have been very clear about saying that heroes are the most valuable pieces of content they have in the game by a long mile and i think everyone that plays overwatch and has seen other games or played other games can agree that overwatch heroes are far high quality than their counterparts in in those other games i don't even have to name them you already know um so in terms of like adding the highest amount of value to something like a battle pass yeah i mean this is like a this is this is it this is this is the thing that will definitely make you want to complete a battle pass if nothing else i think that's a really really pertinent point and i think because i i you know i i've seen all the arguments some people are discussing this in chat as well where it's like 
Well, they didn't need to put the heroes in the battle pass. They didn't have to. And that's, I think, what the critics of it feel. They're like, well, you could have done the battle pass without doing it. But that is, I think, the pertinent point, Avril, where it's like, at the end of the day, though, people play Overwatch for the heroes. And every metric, every statistic has told us this, that the heroes are the core to Overwatch. And so as a dev, you know, you got to make compromise, right? As a, as a dev, we want this team to make enough funds so that they can continue to give us future heroes and future content. We don't want another repeat Overwatch 1. And so as players, we dislike it. And again, I think anyone in the player side will be like, yeah, it's not ideal. It's not what we want, not what we specifically asked for. I don't think even the devs will say, the devs will be like, yeah, we know you didn't, you guys didn't want it. But it is, the compromise is the name of the game. And it's like, well, they need to find a model that funds them with enough guarantee and enough certainty to keep it going in the long term. And I guess this is what they decided was going to be the play. And again, I share your concerns, well, Avril, where it's like, well, if that's the case, then we need to be clear about our direction. Like, where are we going to go with it? Like, what kind of game is Overwatch? You know, I kind of defended this idea based off of the, the metric of hero switching. And I caught some flack for it as a shill. I get it. I understand. Don't worry, um, we're all shilled. Did we're you all guys lose your paycheck, really? I, I didn't no. get mine yet. I need, I need to NBA hit up buddy. Megan about that. I, I need think, to hit up I think I'm the only person. I think I'm that. the oh, I'm the oh, only person I, in this chat oh, oh. that is like literally paid by Blizzard. I think I literally get paid <laughs> by Blizzard. So you are actually a shell. <laughs> I mean, here's the, thing, <laughs> here's the thing. Because like the narrative that they gave initially was this is why I was more for it. I'm a little bit more upset. I guess is the best way to put it about the battle pass paywalling recently, because on initial pitch, this is how I saw it. They were like, look. The truth about Overwatch players is that they like to basically roleplay Overwatch. They don't flex the way... Because this, this all centers around the core argument that Overwatch is around hero switching. Overwatch is based around hero switching. It's integral to the game. That's why it's important to be able to switch to any hero at any point in the game. Because if you're locked out of the access to counterpick someone, then you're at a strategic disadvantage. Well, the devs come along and say, look, we've actually looked at how people play the game. And that's just not true. People actually play RPG Overwatch. Most people don't play more than two to three heroes, period. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. That's That lines up with what everything I've seen. And I'm like, okay, yeah. And then if you say, well, what we want to do then is we want to remove hard counters so everyone can play whatever hero they want to play. Because, you know, truth be told, no one likes switching off the hero they wanted to play. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So we're going to pay well some of the heroes because it's not so big a deal if people can't switch to the heroes because they weren't going to do it anyways and they'll buy the heroes they want to buy. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm with you, devs. This is a cohesive line of thinking. And then they add this new passive and it says well now everybody can keep 30% all charge when they switch and I'm sat there like I mean okay look this isn't going to break the game this isn't going to change the game but like I thought you guys said hero switching wasn't a thing that we did and I thought it would be fine to hero paywall because it's not going to put you at a strategic disadvantage because hey hero switching isn't that big of a problem and then they go and make a change which incentivizes people to be hero switching more increasing the likelihood that at some point in a game you're going to be punished because you didn't have the hero that everyone can else was I, switching I around to. Give a counter argument? Yeah, go for it. I'm all for it. I've got a counter argument that really quick. I, I'm not necessarily saying you're wrong, but I think the other perspective to look at that in terms of the new general passive for swapping is to me, it's not so much an incentive to swap rather than minimizing the punishment of swapping. And I, I those two things do intersect but i want to be clear that those two things in my book are not exactly the same if that makes sense like no i, I um, agree with you right so because yeah I, I i see it less of it being an incentive like oh you should swap and rather than like if you are gonna swap you're not gonna get as punished for it i, I just think uh you know one of those is slightly higher on the 
you know prior list in terms of uh what it actually means for the game than the other but i, I know that like the low-hanging fruit for most people is obviously you see that and you're like oh that's an incentivization to swap but you still are being punished for swapping yeah no and i, and I agree with you there's it's, it's important to keep that distinction and again i i don't I've said this as well. Like, I don't think it's that it will change or break the game. It's that it it speaks to somehow a dissonant ideology. Because the truth is that there's potentially a breaking point, right? Where it's like either swapping is good or swapping is bad. And anything that pushes that line up is dangerously bringing it to the line where swapping is now key or like a, a significant strategic tool that you can use. And again, I don't, I don't think it's going to significantly alter how the game is played. But my concern that it raised was that wait a minute, you're kind of, you're selling the, the, the paywall on this narrative and then you're adding something that counteracts that narrative. So for me personally, that's what kind of raised a concern in my mind where I'm like, I'm with you. Also, this brings into my bias where I'm like, I think hero switching is BS and I go ahead and lock the key on, on hero switching. But that's, that's the certainly one concern that I have. But overall, I think speaking to the value of the battle pass, I think that Ten dollars. I mean, if you just do the maths, because I know you you mentioned flats that someone's done the maths on from your stream and stuff. But like, three heroes a year, ten dollars per battle pass pop. Over two years, sixty dollars. That's about the rough price you would have paid for like a copy of Overwatch, right? And I think the other area that this, the, a lot of the concerns about this come from is what I like to call Schrodinger's uh, purchase, which is that people simultaneously remember that they paid for Overwatch and simultaneously forget that they paid for Overwatch, where people are like, I paid for a copy of Overwatch, why don't I get stuff for free forever? And it's like, well, yeah, that was a long time ago, six years ago, so, uh, you know, this is a new game, we're trying to get money again, so we go again. And then they're simultaneously like, well, why do I have to pay for this stuff now? I already paid for it once. And it's like, well, if you're going to play, so this is a new game, free to play, you don't have to pay, you're getting 30 plus heroes for free. If over the course of two years, you have to pay the equivalent of the one-time box model to get all the, all the content, and this is ignoring that you can actually earn uh, some of the coins by grinding some of those challenges and actually afford a battle pass every now and then. Even if all you did at the bare minimum was just buy the battle pass every time a hero released, 60 bucks for two years. If after two years you're still playing this game and you still want to keep up with every single piece of content that's released meaningfully, I feel like it's a fair ask for the devs to say, well, how about another 10 bucks then? How about you keep going? I guess that is the, the crux of the live service model, but that's also where people's, I think, apprehension comes from because they see it as a bottomless pit of spend. And is that something you kind of understand, Flats? Like, well, do you agree with that sentiment or not? Oh, Avril, so here, you're trying to... Yeah, go ahead. Flats, go. Okay, just, just extremely quickly, just extremely quickly, is, is people, people that have that uh, criticism don't understand the cost and the price of continued development because... The idea of I pay for a box copy and I get infinite free content forever, that's a myth. That's that's completely false. Like, that just doesn't exist. And if it does exist, that company is losing money. Um, Yeah, there's a price to continue development. And this is, to me, is almost like a how do you unpause? How do you reinvigorate people to pay? Because I'll tell you what, the, the same people that are like, oh, I paid 60 bucks for this game. Why am I paying again? A lot of those same people are the same people who also brag about having never purchased the loot box before. It's like, you can't have it both ways. It's like, you, 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 you paid for a game, you brag about not paying for continued development, and then you're upset the continued development stopped. Like, what's going on? <laughs> well, I think the counter, before again, uh, sorry to stop you, Flash. I think the counter people, a lot of the people who feel this oh, way, they're really? like, well, I don't need continued development. I just want the game to release. Except they do, because they, 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 they're upset that the, the development stopped. They're upset, oh, they, they gave up on a game. They stopped developing the game. It's like, Yes, because you don't buy loot boxes. 
and you and you brag about not buying loot boxes and then you're upset that's yeah so okay let's let's just destroy this argument because i have done it systematically so many times at this point and, and everyone has the same arguments so let's start ready so nobody wants to pay like everyone's like oh what about the original you know playing whatever well let's talk about how the actual 60 dollar value in video games has worked for the last 15 to 20 years when you buy a game with a one-time price and this is games especially that are like single player games you get everything that's in the game polished finished that's it there's very few changes beyond that if you want something beyond that it's typically sold as dlc content so if overwatch was following a true to traditional 60 dollar box model you should have been paying for heroes like Ana, Doomfist, Baptiste, everything that came out after that. But Overwatch gave it to you for free because it was going off this loot box model that was making it some money, but it wasn't enough to, to keep up with what the industry evolved into, which was the free-to-play model. Don't forget, the free-to-play model has not existed for a long, long time. Fortnite was the first game that exploded with the free-to-play model. Overwatch was out for a year or two, before free-to-play existed. The problem where we are in, in right now is because Overwatch didn't adapt fast enough. That's it. We're adapting now. But if we want, everyone complains about that old model, and they're like, well, I want to keep getting stuff. Well, the loot box model wasn't keeping up. And two, you want to go off the model of saying like, oh, like, you know, uh, I, I just want to pay for what's in it. Okay, well, then you shouldn't expect any extra content for free. You should be paying for that extra content then. What you're getting now is a live service model so you're not paying anything up front. You're getting the old game heroes and a few ones that are included as like a, hey, we made your way. This is what's in the new one. And everything beyond that, you can either grind for in-game or pay for. That is, that is how the free-to-play model works. That's how it makes money. So if you wanted to pay for the $60 model, you can. But I think everyone has come to the conclusion it's not the correct way to go. Because one, it fucking failed in overwatch one that's why we're in the problem we're in and two it just is worse because what you do by having a 60 dollar paywall is especially americans and, and and europeans don't remember that 60 dollars american usd in many other places in the world is a lot of fucking money what you do by removing that paywall is you open your game up to not only thousands, but millions or potentially even billions of people. So a game like Overwatch that has an economy to it, there is an Overwatch economy. You have the game itself, the players who play it, the casual players, the, the competitive players, the sweaty people that want to know every bit of juice all the way through, your content creators, your YouTubers, your journalists, and your pro team all work in tandem. They're all together. If you've watched Overwatch League in the last year, they can't peak over 30,000 viewers. As an eSport, that's fucking embarrassing. There's been a million decisions that have gone wrong, of course. But the big one is, is you can't get people to watch an eSport for a game that don't play the game. You don't go watch League of Legends eSports unless it's their big tournament and it's like a show and it's like the Super Bowl, right? People watch the Super Bowl, but they don't watch football because the Super Bowl is a show. The like League of Legends Finals is a show. People wa don't watch regular season games of baseball if they don't watch baseball. So how are you going to expect people to watch your Overwatch League, watch your content creators, or do anything else that you might enjoy that surrounds the outer bubble of just playing the video game 
if you don't have players to play it. So by being selfish at that point and being like, well, I want this very polished. I want this $60 game. I only want to pay it one time, which by the way, uh, very, very real news flash as an adult that it, just a few years ago, I was a college student and a few years before that living at home with my mom, $60 and in gaming is very small and is one of the cheapest hobbies to have as an adult is gaming. Uh, number one, uh, number two, by being able to give it to all these people around the world, there are now thousands, millions, or billions of people that will also enjoy your content. That means all of these other parts of your industry and a part of your game that you love, that whether it's content, whether it's esport, whatever it is, will also thrive. And those people also get to enjoy the game. You get to expand it much further beyond. And it's a good system because like, people get to experience something they never got to experience before. And it's that is a good thing for your game because then what happens is it doesn't die like Overwatch One did. Like, guys, we all played Overwatch One for the last three years, right? We all know what happened. You guys want that again? What? You know, like, uh, dude, like, come on, seriously, it's not the perfect model, but like the people that sit there and stomp their feet about it, like, you have some some good arguments, you know, like let's say you you're like, oh, there's only three heroes at release. That's fine, but they're working on a million more and they're they're going to be coming out down the line. You don't like it behind the battle pass. Okay, that's fine. But there are many ways in game that you can incentivize to grind it and they're actually even more fair than some of our other competitors. Like, Overwatch was one of the biggest franchises in the history of gaming and people loved it and they let it die because there were some bad decisions that were made. Those decisions are being fixed and we're catching up to the rest of the industry and people don't want to adapt and they're gonna get left behind and that's okay <laughs> i think i just want to quickly like uh, address a few things that people are saying in chat and stuff because i do want us to be fair and i i recognize that all four of us on this call are kind of on board with the model and you know we're kind of it's it, so i i, I want to be kind of reading out some of the responses people are saying and then kind of respond to them as fairly as i can one being that some people have brought up the Microsoft takeover and say, oh, they got $80 billion from that. That's not it's going not to the devs, yet. dog. Yeah, it's not done. It's, it's, not, not, even, the it's not even completed yet. It hasn't even gone through yet, so that doesn't no, make sense. It's not even been approved, so that money ain't there. And even when that money comes through, it's not going to the devs, dog. That's that, yeah, Microsoft will have to give... To the shareholders a exactly. Microsoft will then have to give more money from think, their pots to the developers I, to get... Yeah, I think if pots. you own Activision Blizzard, you get, like, if you own shares at the end of the year or something like that, you get $95, like, no matter what. The purchase price is already, like, locked in, like... That's where the money's going. Like, yeah, it's not. It's not going to the developers. It's going straight to investors, and which investors, because investors' money. Yeah, I'm not even gonna go there. We, we, get, it. we get it. Yeah. So basically, you know, that's not going to help fund the game. The other, the other argument that I'm seeing people make is that well, it made a billion dollars off the loot boxes, and it made a bunch of money then. Yes, but there's two caveats I want to point out. One, billion a year versus a billion a day yes. or a month. Firstly, there's the sheer volume and the amount of time. Secondly, there's the fact that loot boxes are being outlawed in many countries already. So uh, most games have started to weed Massive. out loot boxes uh, already. So that's that's a model that can't continue. You don't want to be relying on loot boxes for your money, then it gets outlawed, and now you're fucked. The third thing is that you also have to keep in mind context, which is the context of the gaming industry. Like it or not, we're always in competition. And it, it's a bit of a shame because, you know, game development when it's single-player games is about the art. You're like, ah, oh, I want to make something for the art. And I think a lot of people have a problem with the free-to-play model resent the idea of games as a business. But this is a AAA game. This is Activision Blizzard. It is a business, right? And you have to look at your competitors. On launch in 2016 in Overwatch, 
there was nothing like it. It blew everything out the water, and the $60 was a very fair and reasonable price for a unique bet, you know, game of the year. I know Sam's already in his head. It's like, game of the year, FPS game of the year uh, winner. Only one to do it. In it a was decade. unique. The only one. It was unique. Yeah. Now it isn't anymore. Now we have Valorant and we have Apex, two very strong competitors for the exact same market that we're trying to occupy, and they're free to play. So when you're a new player, when you're a brand new player, when you're trying to get more people, because you again, we the the truth is the devs have to make money, whether you like it or not, they have to make money. They're people too. They have jobs too. They have to make money. And now when you're asking people to give that investment of their money when they're a brand new player, and you say, "Come play Overwatch for sixty dollars," I'm not sure if you like it or not. Versus, I'm Apex Legends. I'm Valorant. Come play our game free. Give it a try. If you like it, you can keep playing for free. Also, oh, go ahead, Avril. Those, those games are huge as well. I, you know, there's there's people like, oh, yeah, but why should I care about those other games? Like, do you guys know that League of Legends and Apex has hundreds of millions of active players per month? We we have something like 10, maybe. Which, so by the way, is so, don't get me wrong. Minutes. 10, is, 10 is like, 10 million for us is like, for a game that has like no development, that's amazing, right? I'm I'm not shitting on that at all. But I'm saying like, if we want our game to be bigger, and I think you should you should want the game to be bigger because a bigger game is, is only going to create a better game. At least that's the hope. So it's like, you know, we should be aspiring to have double our current player base, which I think we can easily get, especially on launch. But let's triple, quadruple it, and, you know, let's keep going. Can we get to 100 million? Like, that would be insane. Like, that, to be literally one of the biggest games in the world, you have to be hitting, like, 100 million in terms of players. And games like League of Legends, Apex, they do that. So it's like, in terms of complaining about free-to-play, I see the complaints, I get it. But at the same time, I look at the numbers, I'm like, Clearly, they're doing something right. Clearly, their player base doesn't seem to think it's a problem. And I, I talk about it from their perspective. It's like the things that people are complaining about on our battle pass and our financial model, that doesn't even hit the radar of the players from like Apex and League of Legends. To them, it's like completely non-issues, inconsequential. Like they, don't, they don't even lose any sleep over that. And but I'm not saying like it's amazing because it. obviously, if, if everything was free, wouldn't it be great? I guess. But like you have to also live in reality. And I'm also going to address really quickly. Um, this is going to be really quick. The, the whole $1 billion loot box thing that mm -hmm. people bring up, because I, I knew someone was going to bring that up when I talked about the fact that, you know, the loot boxes stuff. Here's the facts behind that. That article that was written, because everyone refers to it, oh, but they made a billion dollars. That was the first year. That was only the first year of, of Overwatch 1. Just the first year. Now, we have, we basically, we know that that number went down. Like, you're, you are kidding yourself if you believe in the second and third year they kept making a billion dollars or more. That number only goes down. Why? Because as people play the game more and more, and as they get a shitload of free loot boxes, you are not buying more loot boxes. How do I know you're not buying loot boxes? Because A, people brag about not buying loot boxes, and B, people say shit like, oh, I have 100,000 coins, and I, I've got 2,000 loot boxes I haven't opened, because uh, why would I? Because I got everything. It's like, that's how I know you're not buying loot boxes. So you are you're kidding yourself if you believe that that Blizzard is continually making good money off those loot boxes. That's just not fucking true. They are not making good money off the loot boxes because you know, you know what would happen if they were. We wouldn't have Overwatch two. They just keep making money off loot boxes. And we'd continue on Overwatch one, wouldn't we? It's very simple to grasp. So stop using the one billion dollar loot box example. That's only the first year, and that number fucking drops off a cliff afterwards. That's and I think also to... a year. Go ahead. Yeah. Fortnite made like ten billion a month. <laughs> Or something like they, that. They, they like, set they set some in, insane yeah. out of this well, world record. And one I month guess the, it was like the whole combined <laughs> like six years. Like, oh shit. 
And I guess the counter argument <laughs> to that, Flats, what I know people will say is, well, see, then it is about the money, right? You're trying to make as much money as Fortnite. But here's the thing that I want to add to that is that whatever complaints you can have about the Overwatch devs over the years, right? Whatever you can say about how they mismanage their game, how they mismanage the marketing, the balance, blah, blah, blah. The one thing you could never label at them was that they were exploitative with their financial model. At no point in the history of Overwatch were they ever milking us for our money, even down to the loot boxes that when other games implemented them was considered a scummy practice, right? Loot boxes became known for the rest of the industry as a scummy practice, but never in Overwatch because they were so fair. And this is why part of the reason, again, Avril's talking about the people who was the, basically us in the call who were like, I have a hundred thousand loot boxes that I've never opened because I never needed to because I got every skin I wanted for free anyways. That was down to the Overwatch developers being ultra fair with their financial model. So whatever you can That's how you know the financial model doesn't work. That's how you know yes. it doesn't work. Because everyone got the shit for free and you never bought everything again. And, and that's the thing. Like, of all the mistakes you can accuse them of, you can never accuse them of being greedy fucks, right? So I just wanted to say that, like, I understand the fear that this is a greed move. But that's not something you can label at Team 4 ever. Like, of everything else you can label, I don't think saying these are, these are greedy fucks only in it for the money is one thing you can say about Team 4. We could maybe say that about other parts of Activision Blizzard, but Let's that doesn't save it implicate for Call of Duty. Let's Team save 4. it for Call of Duty. Let's say yeah. when they're forcing out some doo-doo CODs every year. Like, you know, not, not anymore, but, you know, we'll see. Hey guys, SCB here. Just going to quickly interrupt this episode of the Group Up Podcast to say that if you're enjoying this content, then please do consider signing up for my Patreon to support me directly. It's really amazing because it allows me to keep making content like this carefree, regardless of how many views Overwatch does or doesn't get. I know no one likes sellout ads, but chances are if you've listened till this far in, then you're at least somewhat enjoying the content. So please do consider at least leaving a like, a subscribe, and a comment underneath the video on YouTube. It really does help. But that's it for me. Now back to the discussion. I feel like I feel like a lot of consumers think a, a, a good financial model is one where the consumer just wins big time and the, the company loses. It's win-win-win. That's yeah. like, it, it really, it should just be both winning. Really, it should be the, the company gets what they're looking for and, you know, ideally the consumer doesn't get too fucked over or fucked over at all. But, you know, like bragging and like celebrating the Overwatch 1 loot box model, like, oh, I got so much shit for free while like bragging about Blizzard not making money off that and then complaining about no content when like you're not contributing to making the content because you don't pay for anything. It's like, that's, that kind of mentality just never made sense to me. I think I it think, just comes uh, Go ahead, Vlad, go, go, go. I, the only thing I think is like, the, the goalposts for people just move because people say things like, you know, like, oh, it's not fair though. It's like, it's very fair. Like, look at all the other competitors around us and everybody's fine with that. Like, that is the industry standard. That is lost. different than... Yeah, we already lost that part, but like industry standard, we're actually below that on a lot of prices. But yet, because we're already used to zero, now it's greed. And it's like, dude, I don't know how to explain this to you, but like, it's not. Like, people say it's an extreme example is like, you know, it's like, oh, but they're farming billions of dollars. And it's like, dude, the company costs billions, like, it costs a lot of money to run. And that game is only, is going to make a big jump at the beginning and is probably going to die down over time, kind of like how Overwatch did. Yeah, of course, everyone looks at the first-year numbers and the big ones in the beginning, but it's like, oh, like, have a little perspective here because, like, it's already it's already lower than everyone else around us and everyone else is already cool with that. Like, how why is, why is everyone kicking that one? Why? Because it's the easy one to kick. Because it's the one that's been the most easy to kick recently. Nobody goes over and kicks Apex Legends. Apex Legends kicks you back. 
Like, <laughs> dude, I, you know, and it's like people have different perspectives of things because like $10 for a lot for some people is not much money. Like you can't even get lunch at work for 10 bucks. Like when I used to work of nine to five and I went down to like anywhere and I worked at Gillette stadium with the uprising. So I had a pass, like a little like ID and they were partnered with all the, like everywhere in the fucking place. So I got like 10, 20% off anywhere. I got out of, I didn't go to a single place and get just a meal and water for less than 10 bucks. Cause then you got a tip and all this stuff. Like never, it's not even lunch, but for some other people, $10 is a lot of money. So it's like the goalpost keeps moving for whoever, whoever you're talking to. And they take it to the extremes every single time. It's why this conversation is impossible to kind of have because everyone's perspective is slightly different, you know? No, it's a good point because I think people's problems with it are different, right? So some people, it's it's an issue of greed. For some people, it's a, like uh, they just don't believe that the finance, the free-to-play model is something that can be fairly done or something that they want in their games, right? They may be just like, I want to know how much I'm paying up front. I don't want to have to potentially infinite cash dump into a game you know i don't i don't know and again i think there's just this idea in gaming that people don't like they somehow resent this like devs making money because they think it's like a, an endless pit of money that they're making as opposed to they're also just workers making something they love and they need salary so they can continue making what they love and yes you're going to see big huge numbers tossed around by activision blizzard but like you said flats is a huge cost that goes into running that company and that doesn't mean these guys are making literal billions. It just means that they're making enough to fe to feed a dev team of hundreds of people, which again, we've like tripled the size of the dev team now, which means that we have to make triple the money to continue to sustain it. If you want your mythic skins, if you want all your, you know, new heroes, new maps, if you want all those things, it comes with a price. Sam, how do you feel about, you know, the skepticism that people have just in general about the bottomless pit that it can lead to the, the sort of financial free to play model? get over it it doesn't matter how we feel here's reality right in, in this case it's like look we are we have to change their competition's already doing it that's where all the players are that's where the money is you get more con like people just it, it's just it, the irony of it all is you know what it is they're calling they're pointing the finger at activision blizzard and saying greed 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 but you know what's really greedy demanding everything be free for you after you buy it just once or, or, or even just like in general like it's it, it's just silly they have to run a business right they have to what do you think keeps the game running like like you got to live in reality the world is not free like it, and and look like you know i i especially to the overwatch team who has just been so much more fair over the years than literally anyone else it's ridiculous you're talking to a brick wall you're never going to get through to them i mean that in the nicest way possible but it's just true you're never going to get through to these people right so here's what i tell you i tell you to go look around the irony of it is look at call of duty look at you know any any of the other games that have come out in the last years or look at any game studio they can just say yeah well, we don't need to make revenue because, you know, and they're, they're way greedier too. Like, they, like the, the other companies, like, they'll, they'll min max. Like, when I worked at Mindplex, like, we, um, we had, a, we had some loot box issues too, um, where we, we would be like, obviously, we'd pedal our loot boxes, but there was time where like, we would literally have the same model in our, we had a knockoff game called Super Smash Mobs, which is basically Super Smash Bros, just in Minecraft, and each mob had its own unique kit, and you'd play as the mob. And back in 2013, you know, you didn't, or maybe this was 2012, like, you didn't really see many game types like that. We actually had heroes, or heroes, like, mobs behind paywalls, per, like, per rank. 
And believe it or not, the game actually wasn't that oppressive. Like, that, that's, like, the big example that I look back to. And, you know, even back then, like, you know, you saw so many mo- so much more malicious pra- – like, malicious in quotations, but practices that were way worse that people, like, would actually got put into practice. It really wasn't that bad. So for people trying to say that Blizzard's trying to cash grab with Overwatch, a game that was the whole package that's consistently the whole package that's given the consumer more, even without putting its content out there the last two years – I, I just think it's an atrociously bad take for people to be upset at that. And now I get that, you know, maybe you dislike, you know, how the industry went, but that's not a problem with the Overwatch team or like Overwatch 2 or Activision Blizzard. That's a problem with the world. And I feel like people, I, I think it's unfair to specifically hone in on Blizzard and be like, yo, you guys did this. This is bad because of you. It's like, dude, the hand's been forced. Whether you like it or not, the hand has been forced. And this is what has to happen. I think that in order to get the game to reach to more people and actually have the the world be affected in a more positive way, you got to get as many people in the door as possible. As Flats was talking about too, if you look at like you know, seventy percent of gaming revenue in twenty twenty was from mobile games, right? The like you know, mobile gaming is enormous in like Indonesia, in India, in South America, in the whole world. Mobile gaming dominates, not even close, dominates gaming in general. Right. So, you know, having your game be free and, and, and reach speaking of which I, I predicted Overwatch mobile something in at least I say two years, two years. We'll hear something. I really hope. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Right. It'd be great for the IP. Um, you know, it's, it's just what has to happen for the big picture. So a lot of people like to hone in on the small picture and say, oh, well, you know, it's it's unfair to me. It's, it's, it's you know, all this is greedy, blah, blah, blah. But if you look at the big picture and the amount of lives that it can affect, and if you really care about this IP, you know, gaming is going to change the world. Gaming is going to bring the world together in a way it never has before. Better than music, better than than a theater, any, anything, you name it. Like the way that you can have a hands-on experience with people across the planet from you. And this is coming from a guy who half his team and contenders were EU players every year, right? Like, you know, my teammates and my coach live in Israel, right? You know, like that... Like what? El- what other activity can make that happen? Where we all log on at the same time and go play? Like, like this is the price that you have to pay. And if you really take a step back and evaluate the gains to the losses, I'm willing to take that personally. And I know not everyone is, but I, I I just don't think you're being realistic when you look at it that way. I think you're right too. And I think the Overwatch scene, in compared to other scenes, is probably one of the most call out scenes in all of gaming. Like we call shit how it is all the time. Like when shit is bad, we call it bad. When we think something's good, we call it good. It's only been in this last year there's all of a sudden there's been this like conflicts of interest of like everyone's like, no, no, there must be some other reason. It's like, what? It's always been like this. And I think that if like, let's say um, they learn that like exclusive skins were like a big way to make money, right? And they start pumping out skins that are like $50 or $100 for a one-time skin. And like, you can clearly tell like, hmm, like they're kind of up to something. I think it would be a very, I think the Overwatch can be one of the first ones that calls it out. You know, it's like, mm, this is a little little suspicious. Like, you guys are kind of, you guys are trying to farm this now all of a sudden, you know? And of course, there'll be differing opinions on that. But, like, the community very largely shifts together on those types of issues. And I don't think that if it if it got more egregious, let's, like, let's say they actually started being, like, okay, like, let's capitalize on this. Like, let's make these couple skins uh, a lot more expensive because people will buy them because they're that cool. It's like, okay, well, I see what you're kind of doing there. Like... You know, you're 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 kind of you're kind of tipping on that. Like people would call it 100. percent Like there, there's no shot they wouldn't. So, why isn't the same logic being applied to people that are like, no, this is actually a pretty good system. It's pretty fair. It's like, no, that's no, you're just lying. Like you're you're shilling. You're just like, it's like what? 
what it's like it's if i'm not on your side I, I i must be getting paid if i'm on your side then we're right we're like we're all like we're all good like I'm, we're not getting paid because i'm on your side like what you know well, it's, it's like, like it can't at its finest it just can't you know i i think if it ever got like really bad i think people would call it but from what we've seen right now it's fair in comparing it to industry standards it's actually more than fair in other communities especially I mean, like when the battle pass first launched i saw like some apex drama channel and fucking twitter channel i don't remember but they were talking about like how good the overwatch system is and wishes that apex's battle pass was like the overwatch battle pass and i was like damn wish we saw that a rare rare <laughs> dub rare overwatch dub no yeah. I, I think it's a, i think it's a go ahead alvaro go ahead i was gonna say like frito literally said he'd quit overwatch content if if the financial model was not you know uh friendly fair. enough for what his standards are it was what a f uh, good call fair if it wasn't fair enough um that was no bullshit he would he would have left and so like i you know i hold that to a high standard um i i'm a, i get annoyed by this whole like cash grab comment as well that i see sometimes people are like oh you know Overwatch 2 is just a clear cash grab they just want you to and this is obviously uh i said a lot more back in the day when people didn't even know what the the model was and they they assumed you'd have to buy the whole game again and uh at a surprisingly high amount of people actually still believe that for some reason i don't know at this point it's like free to play has been communicated as much as it possibly can be so i, I don't know how to help those people anymore um but it's like you know what people say like was overwatch 2 necessary was it a necessary thing to even do i'll tell you what is necessary Blizzard changing the financial model of Overwatch, just generally speaking, that is necessary, at least from their perspective, because of sustainability. Because we know that the original Overwatch 1 model is not sustainable, and like, to less informed people that want to argue against that, it's like, you just, you're not, in, you, you don't know. Okay, you, you have to kind of just trust it. Clearly, it was not sustainable. Like, unless they literally show you the books, the battle power, the, the, uh, the loot box stuff, like, I mean, I don't know how else to convince you. Um, that needed to change. And, and this is, you know, why, how, how do you want them to commit to a greater amount of content release how do you want them to commit to that they have to have a sustainable financial model that pays for the continued development of that i already said at the start of this podcast i said at the beginning the overwatch development team is the biggest it's ever been uh i don't know if i can say exactly how much but it's it's a lot of people it's a lot of salaries it's a lot of people hours labor hours required to pump out as much content as they say they want to pump out if you want a game that can keep up with that kind of standard uh, especially at the quality level, by the way, because people say like, oh, you know, they're still only releasing the same amount of heroes per year. It's like, do you know how complicated the heroes in Overwatch are? Not just in like their mechanics, but also the lore, the art, everything behind it. It, it is way more complex and in-depth than like every other game that that is out there. That's the truth. Um, so if you want a game that has the level of quality in terms of the content releases, that shit's got to be sustainable. And the Overwatch 1 model was not going to sustain that. So they, so again, I'll tell you what is necessary. It was It was necessary for them to change the financial model to something that was going to be successful for them. And it's very easy. You just look across the board at what the gaming industry is. What are the biggest games, the most profitable games, largest player bases, larger returning player bases, all free-to-play games with battle passes, with actual content locked behind them, like Valorant locking champions, Apex locking their, their I don't know, their legends behind it. That's just that's that's the gaming industry. I, I hate to say it, but if you if you want Overwatch to exist in the real world gaming industry where content can be delivered at that sort of cycle, that quality, this is what needs to happen.
And I want to quickly just add one last thing, because I know we've kind of droned on this for a while, and, you know, probably people who are like, oh, my God, these guys just keep <laughs> shilling. Shut the fuck up, shills. Actually, I want to quickly add yeah. on the shill thing, because Flats reminded yeah. me, it was like, it's ironic that, you know, when we, we'd, sit, we'd sit here, four of us, you know, bitching about Blizzard relentlessly for two hours. Nobody ever called us, like, uh, with ulterior motives, right? Nobody ever said that we had ulterior motives. The minute the four of us were unanimously like, this is a good idea, suddenly we're shills now. So it's it's interesting how, like, if our opinions just align one way, suddenly we're shills. But I just want to address one uh, one final point, which is, you know, someone in chat said, literally, let me buy Overwatch 2 for $60. That gets me everything, and I will do that. And I think the best way I can summarize this is, what you're asking for is an infinite amount of content with a finite number of investment, right? You're asking for the game to continue to give you... We already you, covered this. <laughs> yeah, heroes for an infinite amount of time. Because, again, this is for the long haul, right? Unlike Overwatch 1, which this is part of the confusion, Jeff Kaplan probably didn't see the way Overwatch is. We are going to get it now, right? He probably saw it the way you saw it. It's like, it's a one-time purchase. We'll give you guys the heroes for like a year or two. But after that, we're going to focus on the sequel. Like Flat said, it's going to be like a DLC content. But what you're asking for now is five, ten years worth of heroes for a one-time price. And that's not fair to the developers, right? That's not fair to them. You might feel like this is unfair to you, but that's not fair to the developers. Because you're asking them for to keep pumping this out. So if you want to keep playing this game for an in infinite amount of time, you're going to have to keep investing as long as that game stays alive. And I think for some people, they just don't want that. And that's fair. You might just not want that. You might just want a game that you buy once and that's it. And it sucks but that's not the game is going to be and you might feel robbed of the game that you love you might feel like oh my god i why should i be ostracized in the overwatch community i i love this game too it sucks but ultimately i think this is a decision that blizzard have made to try and be best for for everyone involved in this ecosystem for them for the pros for the people who play it for the content creators it does the most for them so unfortunately that's just how it be and if it alienates you i'm sorry it's been a good ride Okay. It's just funny because the game itself is free, so it's just like, all right. Well, that's all. You said you get, you get everything you actually paid for. It just yeah. transfers. You're actually not losing anything. So like, that stuff you paid for, you still get, and all the extra shit you got for free, you still get. It's just like <laughs> it's just now funny. there's new shit, and if you want the new shit, you have to pay for it. But it's just it's an endless loop of 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 stupidity carry on svb carry Anyways, on we can't, yes we can't. so so we've we've <laughs> kind of d discussed the death i think we've you know we, I, I hope we've tried yep. to be fair if not you know fuck it um so <laughs> other elements that you know because there's a lot to go through and i think leading on nicely will be the first time user experience ftue uh, that we've kind of gotten information about now and this again i think leads to some people's fears about like well okay okay so you're saying it's fine it's fair for old or watch players right you know we get we get the heroes that's fine but what about the new players who have to earn all the heroes and then later in the future they're gonna have to grind really hard to get all the heroes that were locked in battle passes etc etc so flats first time user experience how do you feel about what's been announced which again to clarify uh basically new players will have to do a sort of easy dota let's call or easy easy overwatch the way that easy dota exists you have easy overwatch where it's like they're going to play in a select pool with each other where they don't have all access to the heroes they have to keep playing to unlock heroes progressively and by the time they get about 100 games or 100 wins under their belt something like that they will have had enough to unlock all the heroes and then after 50 wins they can play comp uh, and then of course they're gonna have to pay for new heroes as they come so flats first time user experience how do you feel about it i'm, gl I'm glad you started me now i don't like so uh you can talk about the stuff uh I, i'll let him i'll let him get it because it's it, i know exactly what's coming 
Um, but how to talk about this without talking about that piece, that's <laughs> that's going to be a little bit interesting, man. I'm going to hold back a little bit because I want to let you have your time in the sun on that one. Um, but at, I think their messaging was terrible on that. And I actually literally made a video about that. Chill, by the way. Um, I made a video about how fucking awful their messaging was on that blog post about how that system works because they have the data, right? And Overwatch has is, is been one of those games that, like, there's a lot of data in it, but, like, you also have to kind of use a little bit of feeling on that. And it's like, I feel like this was a classic Blizzard move where they just were like, we have the data for this, this is what we're going to do, but they didn't use the player feeling side there to explain it a little bit better. Because the way it comes off, which is what I said it was going to come off as, and it did, um, was that you're, either players are going to be dumb and didn't read the whole thing, and they think they're going to lose their heroes, or B, people are going to be real big confused uh, because the way the system works is that if you make an account on October 4th or beyond, it puts you in the, the new user experience and you start with like, I don't know, like 10, 13 something heroes. And then you have to win games and like progress to get the rest of the cast up until uh, I think it's like it's like up until like the original cast or something like that. Um, but basically, the whole idea is that when you play a game for the first time that's been out for a long time, you're always playing catch up. If you went to jump into Valorant right now, you're playing catch up. It's not the same as jumping into Valorant on day one. Everyone knows text, spots, angles, smoke spots, etc. But even beyond that, there's all these characters and some of them have been meta and some of them haven't been meta and some of them are currently meta or used to formally be meta. And you don't know anything about any of them. And then you look at a game like League or Dota that have hundreds of characters there is no shot you're going to learn what all those ones do. It's like the same people that like want to learn like, oh, how do I get good at Overwatch? And, and you don't know what, like, uh, uh, what's a good example? They don't know that Anna's nade is called Biotic Grenade. Like, they don't know what it's called. They're just like, I don't know, I throw the healing thing. And it's like, you know, it's like you need a few more hours to actually be knowledgeable. So their idea is that they start you small and then work your way up. And so it's less... um overwhelming to the new to the new player but it turns off if you stack with friends because the idea is your friends will teach you how to play the game instead of you actually having to play solo so it only happens if you solo queue not with a new player and so that way that's worded is so weird and then it's not like really that clear on like new players only like if you're a returning player you're fine like it says it in there but like it needed to be driven home first so you have all these journalists and all this stuff writing these clickbait titles because people don't want to read into it, but it only applies to new players. If you're having this conversation right now, you're probably not a new player. This does not pertain to you. It doesn't affect you. It's not for you. It's not something you'll ever see. Please let it go. Now, on the other end, though, is it actually good? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I didn't get a test chance to test it. I don't know what it's like. Um, I would assume it's probably decent. Um, you know, obviously not having everything locked at the start. You know, as an older player, it's like, oh, I want to have everything. But it's like the idea of options, and it's like having too many options is actually like a bad thing. Uh, and a lot of like, especially top tier restaurants, do this. Um, any fine dining, like really top tier place you go to will only have a one page short menu. And you'd be like, 
well, I'm going to like a five star restaurant. Why do you only have like 10 items? Is because they make those 10 items and they are the best at those 10 items. And it keeps it small and select. And like, you're like, okay, like if I like maybe this one, let's do that. Instead of like, you go to Cheesecake Factory and there's like 10 pages of shit, you know, it's like, oh, I don't know what I want. It's just like putting in a better perspective. With the point being, is if you are a current Overwatch player, this literally doesn't apply to you. So let it fucking go. Like, please. So I want to I wanna wind up and let my man Avril go on this because I know he's going to... Wait, what am I talking about again? I, but everyone's, I just everyone's saying I'm, I'm gearing up for something. No, I'm no, it's okay. It's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll set you up. I'll okay, set you up. Don't right, worry. Right. But I just want to quickly chime in and add that Team me up. as Team someone... Me up. As someone who's been like, you know, I've been in a break for watch for like over a month now. And as someone who's been trying a lot of other games in that time, you know, I tried League of Legends, for example, just to add to what Flat's saying, it was very overwhelming when you get in there. Cause it's not just like, there's, you know, there's a hero screen with 150 heroes. It's about like when you, let's say you pick a hero, you pick two, three heroes that you really like. Cause you're like, I like to look at this hero. I'm going to play this hero. It's also about the experience of when you're in the game and not just knowing what your character does, but knowing what you have to outplay is a real problem, right? Because you you may know what your character does, but there's a new guy on screen now and he's throwing shit flying at me. I don't know what these colors are that he's throwing at me. I don't know what he can do when he gets close. I don't know if he wants to be close. If he wants to be far away. And now he's wearing a new skin. I don't even recognize. I think I recognize that character, but I don't recognize the fucking skin he's wearing because he's got the mythic thing that makes him look completely different. So... It's, I think we're flat salute as well, the paradox of choice, right? Like having too much choice can actually be bad and can kind of incapacitate you. And having too many heroes, I think the, the problem with this is people have tied the first time user experience to the hero paywalling and they see it as the same thing. I think the first time user experience should and could have been done regardless of even if they had given you every hero for free, it would have been a good idea to let everyone ease in by having a limited number of heroes because we've criticized the tutorial overwatch for a long time myself included i've made entire dedicated videos of how bad the tutorial is because you literally play soldier 76 for like 15 seconds you run around for a bit and then they're like all right go play overwatch as if learning how to drop you know like shoot people in soldier 76 has any bearing on like the objectives doesn't tell you what the objectives are doesn't tell you what winston does doesn't tell you what zenyatta none of that is explained so actually having a simplified version yeah so actually having a simplified version, I think, regardless of whether the heroes were paywalled or not, would have been a good decision. Now, we might argue on the manifestation of how fair that is. Now, that's a different topic, right? You doing it is a good idea. How fair it is is a different topic. And on this discourse, there's been a lot of information and misinformation spread on the public, in the public domain. Maybe some of you haven't seen it because you're not perpetually online losers like us. And uh, on Twitter.com and on famous uh, journalistic websites, there's been a lot of Oh, well, I tried the first time user experience. It was dog shit. Or Overwatch is charging you for everything. And which is not helped with the confused messaging that Flats is talking about. But Avril, I think you have some thoughts on what has been spread recently just, on, on the you know this topic. Just 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 really quickly as well, um, to continue on as all. I, I can ramp up to it. It's fine. Um, yeah, so the first time user experience as well is like... Uh, is meant to be 50 quick play wins to unlock ranked and 100 games played roughly to unlock all the base heroes. It's been confirmed now across various articles, etc., that uh, you will get th access to 13 heroes as a first time user base just just straight away. And then you have to unlock 20 of the other heroes across the 100 games. That equates to about one new hero per five games. I think that's super fucking friendly, personally. Like one new hero per five games. You want to try do that in any other free-to-play game like league of legends or apex or whatever hell no you're not getting anything close to that not even close it's a completely different world you ain't getting shit um 
and yeah it's it's honestly pretty quick like depending on how quickly you play how how many games you play through like i don't know it's some it's like it's under 20 hours it's like 12 to 14 or 16 hours something like that as an estimate to get all the heroes um and now this is the part where you know in terms of what uh everyone else is kind of alluding to uh the annoyance in sort of the the internet on twitter and everywhere else over the past couple of days is um obviously I, I some of us found out about the first time user experience just a little bit before the live announcement came out in my mind i was really like okay well i know exactly where the community and where media is going to latch on to to stir the rage and stir people up and i can already see you know that sort of coming through and uh you know predictably this is exactly what happened where um all the gaming coverage is is going to specifically just highlight the first time user experience but not even like the general first time user experience like very specifically using headlines like overwatch forcing new players to unlock heroes or, or even worse than that, Overwatch forcing you to unlock Overwatch 1 heroes. No context about, like, who that's for. Making it sound like it's basically just for everybody. That's the that's the kind of misleading titling that I'm really annoyed by. Um, and, you know, they'll, they'll always defend themselves by saying, like, oh, yeah, but, you know, then you click the article and, um, uh, you know, we're not lying. It's all, it's all in there. It's like, yeah, well, that doesn't stop the people that just, like, obviously a lot of people apparently just don't read articles. That's a different annoyance i have they don't read articles but you know it is what it is they see a headline and they just like pop off and kind of react to it and so you write a headline like <laughs> overwatch players are required to unlock overwatch one heroes i mean you're, you're you know what you're doing you are stoking the fire there you are rage baiting you are hate click farming like you know exactly what you're doing when you're writing the shit like that bills. that's why they do it it's really cringe i know i know uh, and you know it's ironic that it they works. don't mind doing that to pay the bills but you know they'll criticize uh blizzard and other companies for doing <laughs> things to pay the bills i find that quite ironic um yeah no shame no shame no integrity yeah so then and then you have the the ones um about oh the the dude i fucking had to rip into him the pc gamer guy was like yeah so uh as an experienced player who's played a thousand hours of overwatch uh, i did not enjoy the first time user experience i fell boxed in it's like motherfucker you're not a new player are you You've played a thousand hours of this game like this is like literally doesn't apply to you you are like the most far away person you're like the furthest away person that this this system was meant for it's ridiculous it's like how do you have such a little self-awareness i couldn't believe that i had to double take i had to double take on that one it's just like this is this person is not a carbon-based life form i couldn't believe it <laughs> sam i know you got some thoughts on this as well you go <laughs> I mean, You're it's next. just idiotic. It's just like, dude, like, take your head out of your ass for one second, dog. Like, I look, I know you want to write this stuff. I know you want to get clicks. But at what point are you compromising, like, everything that, like, it's preposterous. First of all, I, I think Fatu, I'm not, I don't know what, how, what the acronym for it's going to be. Fatu, I like it. You know, we're, we're Sounds like you should bless you. I like this already. Um, it's fantastic. Like, it, it is such a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant idea. And if executed properly, it will help so many more people get into Overwatch than would before. Because think about it. How many times have you as a player, this happened to me this week, I wanted to play Gundam, I wanted to play Shatterline, I wanted to play all these new games that come out while I wait for Overwatch 2, right? How many times have you picked up a game and been, and look, we're, we're not, I mean, we're, we're not morons. Right? Like, we're like, you know, we, we're gamers. Like, we, we play games at a fairly high level. Like, we understand. Like, we, we, can, we have a 
a great propensity to learn. How many times have we picked up a game that's probably less complicated at its, you know, peak than Overwatch and just been overwhelmed and said, like, I really just don't want to put the effort in to learn this. I think one thing that me particularly, I've, I've been a little critical of Blizzard on is I don't think the Overwatch as a game does a good job, and Frito especially, you know, does a good job of actually teaching the player what is important and what isn't, right? You know, I talked about it with, with Briggs Kit where I say, okay, well, like, the hero doesn't really show the players what to do because it's almost misleading. It's a melee hero that you're supposed to play at range, right? Like, stuff like that. So many games struggle with this, and we struggle with this, like, when I, for, when I made the clans mode at, at Mindplex, you know, it, it was way too overwhelming for so many people. We had to sit down and work on this guide, the entry-level guide, forever and ever and ever, and it only did so much, right? But with the resources and the approach that Blizzard has had to do this, with like slowly walking it up, right? It's like trying to learn rocket science before you've learned physics 101, right? That's what it's kind of like with Overwatch. And instead, Blizzard's given you the slow and steady courses to learn the game and make it break it down and make it much easier for new players, right? That is such a great, like, I have a ton of IRL friends who. You know, we're like a bunch of Johnny's buddies who like were big into Fortnite, who were big into League, and they said, hey man, like, I want to learn Overwatch, but it just looks like too much, man. Like, I can't, like, I played a bit of Moira, I played a bit of, like, Ana. I, I just couldn't do it. It was just too much at once. And the, the fact that they're dividing this information is just so, so good because it lowers the barrier of entry to Overwatch. With going free-to-play, that's a dangerous, dangerous model in all the right ways because that is, a rest, that is a perfect storm. It's a perfect storm. I love it. I think it's fantastic. And I kind of like the media misrepresenting Overwatch a little bit because what it's done is, is one, it's brought the community together a, a lot. Like, we kind of talked about this, you know, we've, like, been, like, you know, arguing with each other about, well, is scoreboard good, is scoreboard bad, you, 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 you get in the nitty-gritty of anything that we've been debating, and then there's all these just, frankly, morons, moron writers who claim to be journalists, blatantly misrepresenting what, either they're not smart enough to figure it out, which, which it, hilarious, by the way, or they don't care, and... I kind of like it because people are going to be talking about this. And this is the kind of stuff that Overwatch has needed. We need to be in conversations. We need to be competitive again, right? And any emotion is better than the no emotion we've seen over the last two years, right? Or maybe even longer than that of people kind of giving up. So you know what? Bring, bring the name up in the conversation. I like that. I like the heat. Bring the heat because we, like, we can hit back now. We're going to compete. <laughs> we have the model to compete. And so if you want to sleep on it and you want to talk your shit, that's fine. But we're in the conversation again. So I'll tell you what. We'll see what happens when we're the first company or the game, game company, I guess, to have a, a, a real integration to the game. And again, it really depends on how they do it, but it looks pretty solid so far. I think you're going to have a lot more early on player retention, especially with, you know, people talk about this a lot. And this is why I, you know. I, I know a lot of people debate about Smurfs, whether they're good or bad. You know, I'm neutral on them. I think now they're doing more damage to the game than good, absolutely. And as someone who's done his fair share of unranked GMs, the one thing I just absolutely hate is playing on the first initial quick play lobbies. Like, I literally, like, I run around in those games, and I, I know a lot of people, like, see Smurfs farming. I literally just go melee only in those games. It's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, no, I'm well. serious. Like, I literally just go melee only. Like, I, I'll, I'll get my XP out of it, right? It's not fun to farm those accounts. It's and and the way it was done previously is it was just, was just bad. But now with with this system, I I think it's gonna be a lot better. And so 
if you're hating on this as a player that has already played the game, turn your brain on, please. Like, just let's just think for a second. Like, please don't be a moron. Like, people were coming to me. They're like, Sam, they're locking my heroes, all this stuff. You got to be pissed about this. I'm like, dude, I, I told this kid in my chat. I was like, dude, you're being an idiot right now. Like, you need to take your head out of your rear end. Like, did you read it? He was like, no. And I was like, go read it and come back to me. And he was like, wait a minute. This actually sounds pretty good. And I was like, yeah, because it is good. Jesus. It's like an upgraded tutorial. Also, well, the best part is, Vol, if the system isn't good, they can change it. Wait, really? Oh. Are you no, serious? That's Are you Wait, sure? Are you sure? I, I, I know it's a controversial take. <laughs> but if they get people playing the game and they can't get through to playing 50 or 50 wins and, you know, people don't play the game and they kept dropping it and it's not fun, they could remove it or make it easier. Or here's another one. Let's say it's too easy to smurf still. They make it harder. Oh. Crazy. Oh. How dare applies... they, but it possibly <laughs> sucks for Sam. This applies to the battle pass hero but... free play as well. I'm pretty sure they've said, you know, look, we'll we'll look at that. If 55 is too much, we'll look at that. Mm -hmm. and it's... By Crazy to think that they might will... We've never done this shit before. If it don't work, we'll fix it. Like, They're making whoa! good moves. They're making oh good news, and I think this dude. is what people don't realize. Like, these are all really solid. Like, I know a lot of people are really used to, like, dumpstering on Blizzard and not, like, listen, I, I've played my part in that too, right? But, I, again, the reason why a lot of us were, especially on this podcast, was because we, there's a lot of merit to what we were saying, right? Mm -hmm. And now with the systems that they're doing, these are good systems. This is a fantastic foundation. They have spent the time to make the foundation, which is the big problem that we have all had for years. Because when you get to the core of Overwatch, it is the best shooter game ever made. Ever. You, have ne you will never, and you have never, ever, will see a shooter game with the depth and diversity of gameplay that hmm. Overwatch has. I, know, I, I say this every, bingo, get your bingo books out. It was the only shooter to win game of the year in 15 years for a reason, right? Like, you have never seen a game with that much diversity and how you can play with all these different play styles. So when you get to the core of the game, and especially in Overwatch 2, 5v5 is, like, I was nervous about 5v5, but I, you know, there's still some shortcomings, I think, that are different, but it still captures the core of the game. When you get the foundation and the way to kind of navigate players to it, especially through quick play, because quick play, we've talked about quick play for a long time on this podcast. Quick play is a fantastic experience. Really, really good. Like, post-roll queue quick play, up here for me, in my opinion, right? Um... So once you actually give players a consistent path to get there with a steady stream of content, dude, we're we're in business, baby. We're 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 back. We're somebody cue back and black from ACDC right now. Like, <laughs> let's go. But first of all, Sam, I'm crying in Team Fortress too. Uh, secondly, I just want to add a couple of details to the the first time user experience. Again, it's like uh, an an extra thing is first time users are put into the same play pool as other first time users. So the people complaining and, and, and being like, oh, you, I, don't, I don't want first-time users in my team without all the heroes. That's going to ruin my game. You're, you're not going to get them. They're playing with the other first-time users, as you would if you were playing any free-to-play game. The new League of Legends players are playing with the other new League of Legends players. Um, secondly, beyond that, people people have this kind of like, um, you know, people, people on, I know it's a popular thing on the internet, but people like to also kind of get outraged on someone else's behalf. So you have a lot of Overwatch players who this does not affect. You are not a new player. You are, you are a veteran player, but you are outraged on the behalf of new players because you feel like there's some sort of grievance there. And what you feel is you're, you're assuming you're kind of theorizing the worst case scenarios of like, well, okay, well, the new players coming on through, 
and they don't have all the new they don't have all the watch one heroes unlocked how are they going to play the meta how are they going to play the counters how are they going to play the strategy and my response is always like do you think a first time user knows or cares about that do you think they know anything about strategy or meta what the fuck are you talking about like how are they going to play play counters in the meta is like they, they, they don't even know what they're doing. They don't know what they, any of the heroes do. They know nothing about the game. Talking about that kind of stuff is like such a ridiculous statement to make. And it's like you're inserting your own level of understanding in the game into an, in, into like you're, you're projecting that onto a new player as if that's a problem for them when that's not a problem. You're projecting that problem. That's only a problem once you're like good enough to actually understand that shit. So I don't know why people are like outraged on behalf of new players when about problems that don't exist for them it's kind of ridiculous they can't come they can't compartmentalize their perspective from other people and that is such a when you're trying to be objective and looking at things like that like it's really important to be able to do that and it's hard to do to be fair right but that's why we have our peers to hold us accountable in that regard and just say hey like let's take a step back together and like really like reevaluate what we're saying here and I, I that's why you know i think all of us were able to do that we've had dozens of conversations and at least in text chat going over ideas and figuring things out. So I think, I think you couldn't have said it better though. Like, like absolutely right. Absolutely right. But sorry about the TF2. TF2 also was pretty good. <laughs> I have to tip the hat to TF2, a little TF2 <laughs> mentioned there too. Yeah, I mean, it's ironic that, you know, it used to be, I think, like, 15 years ago, it used to be that YouTubers were the clickbaiters, right? They would make random clickbait videos, and journalists were yeah. the ones you would you would expect to hold them to account and say, well, that's this is the truth. And now here we are where nameless journalists can make whatever crap the fuck they want and uh, we have to be here and be like that's misinformation guys because our reputations matter we like when we say something we get called shields and liars and we have clips of us saying stuff that comes back brought back in our face but for some random uh random article maker it doesn't matter you say whatever the fuck you want make the next article and hide under the okay, banner you of your, your analytics uh, larger uh larger company but you know the garbageness of journalism aside uh and there are some notably great journalists you know liz richards who comes to mind i want to shout her out so there's plenty there's plenty of good journalists as well but garbageness of the journalism aside um i think what's great is that none of that can really obscure the product at the end of the day i i think you know personally i think overwatch 2 is a great product and i think that whatever is said and done people got to play it and when they play it they will they will judge for themselves but on that note flats the other part of the free to play experience that we haven't talked about is the potential of smurfing. And Sam kind of alluded to it. But of course, part of this is, is, is Overwatch's larger initiative to kind of curb smurfing. Um, and so we have the mobile verification that you have to go through. And then all these free to play or these first time user experiences about how many games you have to have played before you can play. Do you think this is going to combat smurfing or do you think this is too much of a barrier for people who are new? Because again, some people have already expressed skepticism about how how many people are going to get locked out by the phone thing oh have we lost flats um oh no you're first here. of all i'm lagging balls and it's fucking yeah, yeah, I think hilarious Discord, this conversation I think Discord from is, my pov yeah discord's okay. going wild hello yeah well hello? yeah i yeah i've been lagging like crazy we good uh, I can hear you, yeah. yeah I can, I'm, I'm still here. Cool. Yeah, because I can hear you guys. I yeah, can hear you guys. Mine is, I think uh, me and Avril uh, are good, but you and Flats and Sammy are a little bit jumpy. I'm okay. I'm not. Yeah, my, I'm not, my, Sam's my okay. MS. Wait. I can hear I'm everybody like fine. 14, I can hear everybody good. Okay, okay. Um, I think it's just the video. I think the voice will be mostly fine. Um, 
but anyways, uh, sorry, this conversation has been hilarious for me to follow through the lag. It's been great. Um, but the question is about smurfing in a watch too. Yeah. So basically, uh, I was just saying that they've added the mobile verification and the first time user also requires you to play a lot of games before you can get into comp. Do you think those two things are good for anti-smurfing or do you think that that's too much of a barrier for people who just genuinely want to get into it? So the question becomes cultures around the world and like, God, this is why Blizzard's data and what they've been doing, it's like, it's way more complicated than people just say this, this bad, this good. Um, Because like something like SMS protection, very good um for a game like it helps keep down bad actors who just like are just kind of not good people uh and as well as like fight skins like cheaters and stuff like that um but you're never gonna be able to completely stop them even valorant who has one of the most intrusive anti-cheats of any game has cheaters smurfing smurfing is even something that's sometimes a little bit harder to to fight against because like people are using their actual skill like, like, how are you going to keep someone from having their actual skill being used to bully up people in games just off of gameplay, you know? Um, it's a tough conversation to have, but I kind of like, I like the approach they've taken. Now, the part of the culture that I'm a little bit more concerned about is the whole SMS protect. In some places in the world, it's very, very common to have a prepaid phone, it's phone instead of a postpaid phone. Um, so how are you going to keep those people... Uh, or let those people play your game if they don't have a postpaid phone number um, because that honestly becomes the biggest barrier to getting into the game. So somewhere in, in between, they're going to have to be careful in like where the protection falls um, on the game. And I wonder if at some point, if it's too strong, uh, if it ends up getting limited to just ranked. But I, at that point, a lot of people have made that argument. Is like, should it be limited to just ranked? And I actually think the answer is no right now um, because most casual overwatch players play quick play and your quick play experience will be significantly worse. If that system is turned off on day one, um, you can look at Warzone as a great example Warzone, uh, You couldn't even queue the game for a while. I actually have a lot of friends that used to play Warzone. They don't even touch the game anymore because they used to play during that big cheater era. Uh, that's kind of like died down since then. Cause they've revamped their anti-cheat, but they lost a lot of their player base and they did not go back after it was fixed. So it's almost better to have a stronger defense and then you can let it down a little bit if needed and maybe reinforce somewhere else and start strong than to start weak and just let the floodgates open. Because if everybody comes pouring in for Overwatch 2 and there's cheaters in day two just rolling you in your games, people ain't gonna want to play your game. So you got that's a balancing act. It's a tough one to really, really, really talk about. Um, and maybe that barrier of entry is like that uh, that 50 games, but it happened all the time in Overwatch 1. For those who don't know about Overwatch 1, it was a very big problem with account selling, not even for boosting, but just account selling. People would just literally, and, and especially like college age or high school age, like kids that like needed to make some extra money could just play quick play and just farm up six accounts. Like, And literally like there was like AIs, there was actual bots that people could use in game to farm accounts to level 25. Yeah, in six stacks, so you get the bonus. And so your quick play games were not as fun because you'd be ruined because you're playing against one person with a bunch of bots. And on top of that too, like sometimes the bots were cheating or something like that. Like they were just trying to get this account to 25 because then they could profit it. Cause like you could sell the account for extra money because people don't want to grind to level 25. Not even a cheating problem. That is literally just an account selling problem. That is a problem. Why is that a problem? Well, you kind of lose the accountability a little bit in that 
process because someone's circumventing it by paying an extra $10 or an extra $20 because to a high schooler or, 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 or like whoever might've been doing it, 10 or 20 bucks is a lot of money. But to someone who's older, 10, 20 bucks ain't a lot of money. That's a lot of time saved. You don't want to go through the annoyance. You just do whatever. You get another account, you hop into ranked. And let's say that person who was farming it is like gold. For those who don't know, there's a quick play MMR system. So if I played quick play and I took it serious the entire time, I would probably place, even if I didn't do like that great in my placements, I'd probably place in somewhere in diamond, like low to mid diamond. I think the upper limit is like 3,300 somewhere now. Um, and then you have a very fast uh, changer. Like you, like it'll like slide your S up bar, SR up faster if you win or lose games. Um, but if you've played on someone else's, like you, they could start you with silver and you just start pub stomping all the way through silver and, until you get to GM. And then on top of that too, you don't like you're, you're on an account you really don't give a shit about. And that's where the smurfing in comes in. Cause one, they're, they're stomping your games and two, there's not a, the accountability factor. They're a lot less likely to be saying fucked up shit, be toxic, um, be, they're just, they're on a smurf. Who cares? especially in the higher elos when that's people's like whole personality is you don't want to become known as that guy because people don't want to be around you so people hide on smurf accounts to type and say all that dog shit um and that will spill into quick play if that barrier isn't strong um so i feel really hard i feel really bad for the people that maybe have prepaid phones and i don't have an answer for you i'm not that smart i i, I don't know the technical aspect of that i i hope there's a way we can circumvent it for you um, but it's a tough, tough, tough question to answer. So I don't have a strong opinion on either on what they should do, but I do like the SMS protection. I think it's going to be great for the game and it, give, it keeps people accountable and keeps people honest. I, I, I add something to the, uh, oh, you go, go first, over. actually, you go first. Do you want? Okay. Uh, I, I'll just <laughs> add something to the SMS protect, uh, specifically the prepaid stuff. Cause I think that is my only, one of my, uh, major concerns because uh, I see the perspective that you put out there, Flights, in terms of talking about smurfing, and I think, you know, the more the game does to combat smurfing, obviously the better the gameplay experience for the majority of people. Um, my concern about the whole SMS Protect thing in regards to only the prepaid part is I do think that specific area is a concern. Overall, I think SMS Protect is a good thing, but there's a lot of people on prepay, um, and a lot of people in different parts of the world that are on prepay, right? Uh, and you're going to be effectively locking out a lot of people from being able to play the game, including people that have been long-time players of the game that even support Overwatch 2, that want to play Overwatch 2. Uh, and the issue that comes out is how many people are going to get a phone plan just to play Overwatch 2? Because now it's like, well, now it's not a free experience for me because I have to pay for a phone plan or whatever. I have to do something extra. I have to like commit to some subscription. I have to commit to something I might not want to just have a chance to play Overwatch 2, and I think that is a little bit dangerous, that is a little bit um, uh, maybe pushing the envelope a bit far, um, and my personal, personal uh, uh, where I stand on it, my perspective on that, is I would like to see as many people play as possible that don't have barriers to entry, as, as few barriers to entry as possible, although I think generally linking a phone is correct, so just a phone is good, um, I don't know if it'd be worth loosening up, loosening up SMS protect restrictions to allow more people in. Like, obviously, that probably allows some more Smurfs in. But you know, from my perspective, maybe that's an okay price to pay to allow, generally speaking, a lot more people to play the game because a lot of people are prepaid. And I, I don't think it would be fair to expect them to change their phone plan just to play Overwatch, right? So I, I think on that part, I, I would like to see the game 
loosen up restrictions and allow pre-played players in because as far as smurfs go it, well, they still have to pay something they still have to go past some hurdles as far as sms protect goes um but to me it would do more good than harm by allowing more people in although like you know maybe i haven't experienced as much negativity on the smurfing side as others so maybe i'm a little bit more lenient towards it um i just want to see more people play the game really yeah, Sam, you wanted to add before I add myself. Yeah, a couple things. Uh, one, I actually think flats that, that, that the quick play MMR affecting comp placements is a myth, and I've done my fair share of unranked GMs. I'm not sure, though. We might have to ask Blizzard, because every time, no matter how well you perform in quick play, your first match is against, like, like a mid-gold average, like the straight-up media, and then how you perform in that, if you do well, it'll jump you up to, like, a plat game. If you do worse, it'll jump you down to a silver game. So we might have to check with Blizzard on that, but, like, as far as mm -hmm. I do, I, I wasn't sure if that was true or not, so we'll have to ask Blizzard. Um, I want to talk about why smurfing became a big problem in Overwatch, right? In Overwatch 1, rather. Because I'm a big advocate on smurfing as neutral, and it depends on what the person does with it, right? Like, if I have an account to play with my friends, like, that are diamond, I don't really think that's a bad thing, right? I'm not going to be sweating down there, I just want to play with my buddies, because gaming is about playing with your friends. The real reason why smurfing became a huge problem in Overwatch 1, and I used to be neutral on it, but it definitely became an issue is when the game first came out, you had a massive influx of authentic users, like of actual unique users playing on their main account, trying to win, doing what they want, right? But because as time went on, we saw the dip go down because of the non-live service business model, we started to lose a lot more of those unique users, and more and more people wanted to buy alt accounts because that was how they made money. So they couldn't do anything to stop the sales of accounts because that's literally how the game made most of its money aside from maybe loot boxes, right? So as time goes on, you see less unique users and more and more alt. So the ratio of like actual Smurfs that you see going against actual unique people got drastically lopsided towards the Smurfs. And by the time we're in 2020, it was already becoming bad. Then we stopped putting out content altogether, which means we went down even more down that slippery slope of losing unique users and then gaining more and more Smurfs. So the ratio got to the point where I'm watching Johnny play ball and gold and it, it's a literal circus. Like, you will never, almost never see, like, an actual game because there's, like, the ratio between the actual amount of people having a Smurf account and unique players is just so lopsided that you just lose, like, any quality of matches. Like, I personally don't see it as a huge problem as long as the amount of Smurf accounts that you have are not overwhelming the unique users. Like, you should see one... And maybe once every like five to ten games but now it's literally every game and in gm it's the same thing it's every single game it's like okay i know you're not new you're on your one you're you're not even one star bronze account locking roadhog flanking and talking trash like dude so cell phone verification i think is a huge win we've been asking for it for a long time now that you actually will see the and let me talk about this too it's even worse on console because I forgot to mention this. I don't know if you guys know this, but I feel really bad because people come in my chat. Like a lot of the YouTube audience is, is generally like more casual. A lot of the console players are on YouTube instead of Twitch for whatever reason. I don't really know why. Um, they'd come in. They could be really adamant about it. And I'd say, well, the difference is on PC is like you still have to buy the account. On Xbox, you can make infinite ones for free. I'm not sure if they ever fixed that, but that like – you don't even have the paywall there. So, like, yep. there's no incentive. So, sh shout out to my console people. It's been horrible for you guys for a long time. That's, uh, you know, I, and I hope that gets fixed. But SMS verification is going to help whittle down the actual amount of excess accounts. Blizzard no longer is reliant on selling the accounts to make money and revenue because that's, at the end of the day, it's a company. That's the number one goal for them is they have to make money. So, now that their business model isn't relying on 
making the match the, like the, the amount of Smurfs to unique users super lopsided towards the Smurfs, I think that people are going to see it as much less of an issue. And with F2, God bless you, right? That's that's going to be the new thing. We're, like, we're going to make it sound like a sneeze, SVB. I love that. <laughs> um, now, now with F2, you're also going to see way less quick play games be super lopsided like that because, again, like the Smurfs are going to want to group for XP and win more matches. So they're just going to skip the process altogether, which is why F2 is so brilliant, in my opinion. Right, so it's going to do a much better job of filtering it out. The business model isn't reliant on on it anymore. And to be honest, I really don't have a big issue if you're getting on an alt account to go play with your friends. Like ultimately, like you're still relying on your skill to win as long as you're not cheating. To obviously, like if you're cheating or if you're throwing, that's the big problem too. Is people will throw games. You should get banned for that. Absolutely. So as long as you're trying your best and you're trying to have a good time with your friends, I don't see it as an issue. But the reason why I got out of hand was for everything I kind of just said previously it just got out of control and now that won't be a big problem in Overwatch 2 so I'm really curious to see how it's going to play out yeah I mean this is one of those issues where I think and you know really good point Sam I think it's one of those issues where there's two statements that we all agree with but they're oppositional right so the statements we'll all agree with is we don't want smurfs in the game and we want there to be almost no barriers for people who want to play to play the game the problem is that those are kind of opposition right because if there's no barriers that means it's also no barriers for smurfs making it easy for them to come in and ruin the games. If we want to counter Smurfs, that means we have to put in some barriers that will stop legitimate people, right? So the phones is a good example, or just, you know, other such features that people have, like, you know, talked about that could be done. Like, for example, some people said, why not make people pay for comp? And it's like, well, yes, that might ban some Smurfing, but then it's like, well, now you're making mm. less people want to play comp. So this is one of those issues where it, it you basically there's a line somewhere in between those two and it, it's just a case of where do we fall on that line how harsh do we want to go i don't know i, I generally balance. i think all of us are probably in relative ignorance of like how many people this affects my only input would be that presumably blizzard aren't because presumably they've done their market research and they know exactly how many people in terms of the market that they're looking at how many people are going to be prevented from playing overwatch 2 by this measure right because they said in that blog post like this is a industry proven method of tackling alt accounts and smurfing so my guess is that they've found a number they're like okay this is going to prevent let's say 10 percent of a potential audience from playing and they've said you know what that's okay as a sacrifice in favor of making the experience for the 90 percent better that's what i have to assume and i think again without any data that says otherwise i i just don't know so i'm not going to comment on whether i think it's personally bad or not but that's that's my input there's another thing that i think we can input though on a sort of related matter which is a lot more i think a lot less clear cut is the announcement that the audio will be kind of transcribed so from now on our voice chat audio uh, will be transcribed as we're playing in the games and this sort of ai software will use that to potentially hand out punishments later i just want to clarify because i know there's been some confusion about it that it's not a system that's kind of constantly listening to your calls and kind of keeping them recorded somewhere so blizzard can you know i don't know blackmail you uh, it's more of a system where uh, they basically are using the, the recording that's coming through to transcribe it. That stays for 30 days, I believe. They said and after 30 days, the file deletes. And the way the AI works is it's not uh, always going to be trying to punish you, right? So it's not like you said something to your friend and it's like, and you maybe insulted your friend in a friendly way. And the AI is like, oh, it doesn't recognize the difference and it tries to punish you. I believe the way it works is the AI is working and it's waiting for a moment, like a report. So if when you report, then the AI knows, okay, 
uh, there's been a problem in this game. Let me go see what happened in this game and let me see if the transcript that I've got is helpful to, to helping me dole out a punishment or not. Now, on that issue, Flats, how do you feel about your audio being transcribed and recorded? Are you okay or are you alarmed? If he is indeed still with us. Or are we Robo? Are we Robocop? Oh, this is such a hard question to answer. Uh, yeah, no, I am. I, it's, we are Robo. Robo, for me, at least. We're and back for you guys, too, or not? I can hear you good now. I can hear you good. I can hear you good. You heard me. I can hear you good. Yeah. You good now? Yeah, mine, my, my Discord's been cutting in and out this whole time. It's been a, it's been a very pleasurable experience. Um, God, this is such a hard question to answer. Ugh. Also, you guys are all lagging for me. Am I cutting out again or no? We're good. Yeah, nah, we can hear you all the way, so don't worry about that. Yeah, we're cutting out. I can yeah, hear I just... you. You're good for me. Oh, that! By the way, that delay is insane. That was like I said, like three seconds ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Okay. Anyways, I'm just gonna assume you hear me. If you don't hear me, then just say something. Um, it's such a hard question to answer, honestly. Uh, realistically. Uh, there's like an ethics problem in there where people like it's like what level are you allowed to listen to somebody and record them um and like privacy laws and stuff like that like like there's like a lot of things there but uh, realistically uh unfortunately like we already live in a society where like a lot of that stuff already kind of happens um if you have a smartphone uh if you haven't turned off the settings there's settings in your phone that uh especially for things like instagram and i and like let's say you talk about like a specific something out loud like a brand uh and you have it your phone near you uh it's not coincidental that you open instagram and there's an ad for that thing you were talking about it's so specific actually uh one time i was talking about snackable cheese and i talked about a specific brand of snackable cheese and i opened my instagram and i got an ad for snackable cheese the same brand i was like wow that's amazing um so that's not actually like something that's not out of this world in our current day and age. Um, I know people don't like to think about it, but it's true. Uh, so I guess you should weigh the pros and the cons. What's the pros and cons of this happening? Well, the pros is, and this is especially prevalent in Overwatch, through the casual players to the competitive players and top tier and streamers as well, um, is it's annoying as shit to see people that just troll your games all the time, say really adherent shit um never get banned and that's i've been very adamant about that uh there are many people that have i've reported like can't even count on this many, many times at this point and nothing ever happens to them i see them again a week later or i see them again a couple weeks later or they just change accounts and then i see them in the next game you know and it's like nothing ever happens so if this system actually works the way it's being described and intended uh, this would be a protection that's extended far beyond even streamers who are lucky enough to have access to being able to, like, you know, pass information along directly to Blizzard if, you know, if anything like that, um, which, well, first of all, nothing happens right now anyways, but, but in the future, hopefully things when they do happen, it's not just privy to, like, some small group. Uh, the idea is that if you see streamers and content creators reporting somebody and something happens, it kind of restores faith in the system um for players as well uh, that the report system works 
and reporting people and having faith in the report system working, I think actually has some some merit from Valorant. Valorant does something very similar, where if you say something stupid in Valorant or type something stupid in Valorant, you are very likely going to not be able to queue another game after that one finishes. Uh, and it's pretty consistent. And people believe in the report system there pretty heavily. And they don't complain about it. They're like, they complain about smurfing like any other game. I don't know what's the extent, but I don't see toxicity or I haven't seen like people complain about toxicity in Valorant to the same level of Overwatch in say 2018. Um, when, when Overwatch was big and people would complain about toxicity and smurfs in their game all the time. Um, so it will make your games better. It will hold people accountable. And I want to say this really fast because people say like, oh, SMS doesn't work, all this stuff. Obviously, there's people that are very good at technology. There's going to be able to be like people that are very good at cheating and hacking, and they're going to be able to find ways to get around the SMS system. The average person can't do that. Like they've already thought about the easy ways, like making a Google like Google number. That won't work. They've thought about those. They they're doing what they can against that. Yes, if you are very skilled with this shit, it's you're probably going to be able to get around it. But there, that doesn't mean you shouldn't make barriers to entry. And if you have someone who's kind of a piece of shit, you know, some random plat player who plays in their off time and they say some sexist shit all the time in their games, that's not someone Overwatch wants. That's not someone I want. And hopefully no one in chat wants in your games. They will get banned if they do that, if the system works. And that will thin those out and you won't have those people around anymore. And they will not be able to get back in because they won't have another phone number to go off of. And it will make that system a lot more effective, meaning that the game is a better experience for everybody. So this, this is a hard question to answer because you're going to drastically improve your game. You're going to improve how people interact. Of course, there's scary sides. Like, you know, if, I, if I'm joking with someone, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck you, you know, and they're like my friend. And someone else in the lobby reports me for saying that to like, let's say I said it to Emong and he knows I'm joking. And someone else reports me, does the bot understand that? Of course, there's concerns about that kind of stuff. And of course, there's privacy concerns and stuff like that. But from what you said earlier, it seems it only turns on when you like actually report somebody. And there's other concerns of how it works and like if that's actually how it works or not. Um, but at the end of the day, though, we're, you're online and what you do online should be somewhat accountable. Like, you know, like I think games hold the right to not want you around if you're a piece of shit. And this is a, a way for it to fight against those people um, because the current report system does not work and it does not feel like it works for my level, which has a, uh, I have that privilege of being able to maybe even say things about with a louder voice through stream or uh, being able to say something directly to, to someone at Blizzard or something like that. I have a louder voice than someone than the average player and it doesn't even work for me. I there's no there's no fucking way some person who's playing in plat believes that the system works either. So hopefully it restores faith in the system, makes people feel better about the game, maybe makes people think twice before they say something stupid, and then makes a better experience for those other players. And it will not only improve our experience and like people that are actually online all the time, but the average player. And that's why I kind of don't mind it. I actually think it's good. Mm. And I know there's some ethics on that, but I don't have anything to really hide there. So I'm okay with it. A thorough response. I, I know Avril has some thoughts on this, but I actually want to quickly go to Sam first. Cause I think Sam, you expressed some skepticism about this. Is that still how you feel or where, where do you stand? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think everybody can be skeptical here. So there's some ups and downs, right? Obviously, like getting rid of the people who just have no business trying to, they're not trying to win. They're just saying some shit that they shouldn't, right? You know, I have no problem with those people getting banned. Like, I think getting those people out of the game is super, super important, especially when they're just like, and shout out to general chat being removed too. Thank <laughs> God, dude. I don't yeah. think I, in six years of Overwatch, ever saw a single useful thing in general chat. Um, so I think that was a really good decision. That should have been gone forever ago. <laughs> so it really depends. Yeah, I know. Yeah, for sure, dude. For sure. Like, not, like, yeah. Uh, so it really depends on like where the line falls, right? You know, so some of the concerns that I have. One, how is it going to look for an average like person out there? Be like, oh wait, like my conversations are recorded. Like, because that's how it's going to come off, regardless of how it actually is done. You know, how how are people going to respond to that? Um, I think generally people probably don't want that, but who knows, right? Number two is what is define toxicity because it's subjective a lot of the time, right? I mean, aside from that, huge outliers of people being sexist, racist, and chat like those guys, absolutely. But like, where does the ball actually fall in the court? Because I mean, last week, Quake got banned for typing your dog shit in chat. <laughs> I, like, I'm a big advocate of pickup basketball rules, we'll call it common sense, right? Like, if it's okay in a pickup basketball court, it should be okay in game, right? But again, that's my subjective view, and I also understand that different people have different views about what's okay and what's not. They're signing on for different experiences based on what they personally want. And this is why I'm a little skeptical because it's a really, really slippery slope, right? Because I could say, for example, like, is, would I get banned for this? If, if say I have uh, an Ana in my back line that's feeding, right? And she's dead every fight because she's frontlining. And I go in voice and I say, yo, like, you're feeding. Like, can you back off? Like, can you do this? Like, this is ridiculous. And then there's pushback. And then we have a, a kind of, you know, a competitive heated exchange, which, like, I'm personally okay with. Like, I don't take those personally. Like, I've been in the scrim environment a long time. Like, you know, we learned the first thing to do is to drop your pride and, like, have that discussion because that's how you grow, right? But what if it doesn't end well and one of us gets reported? Like, should we get banned for that heated argument? Like, we're just, if I'm saying, hey, no, that's, like, that's a really bad play. Like, you're bad for that. Like, don't do that, right? Is that going to get me banned? Like, cause, again, we don't know yet. But based on, like, what happened with Quake last week, I'm definitely concerned about it. Right? Because I don't think that that should warrant an account ban. Like, they're just, it's banter. Like, what is banter and what is toxicity? And again, when you get into subjective subjects like this, it, it's really, really hard to draw a fair line that will also give the gameplay experience the justice that it needs. Because if we go too far and it's starting to get in the way of being objective, where's the line? And the problem is, I, I shouldn't even say a line, because it wouldn't be a line. It's like a squiggly, you know, could go in a certain, what is that squiggle IO game, where you could be going all <laughs> over the place, depending on what subject matter you're talking about, right? So, you know, it, it's, it's almost impossible to navigate, so that's why I'm skeptical, but for the extremes, it's obviously a good thing, right? But how much of the actual game, because I, like, I was talking to my buddies, and they were like, yeah, like, I'm, not, I'm just not even going to join voice chat. And that's, I like, to me, that's an L for the game if you have so many people saying, I'm not even going to join voice because, you know, I want to be objective about the game and say, if, like, my buddies are Ryan, like, my, what, the head coach that's coaching at UK, because I'm only doing it part-time because I have to stream this, this semester, right? So it's going to be too much for, like, me to do all that at once. So I'm trying to help out the team on the side and just be a player coach this year or this semester until next semester. Um, but he was like... Yeah, I'm a Ryan player. Like, I, I need my Lucio, right? You know, like, what if my, my support is just not listening? Like, I'm going to argue with him a ton, but what if that gets me banned, right? And so he's like, I'm just not going to join voice. So how many people are we going to lose? Because if, if it's too strict, which could then hurt the gameplay experience. Like, how much, again, like, we don't know.
So it really just depends on where the line's drawn. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I know everything I know about the line. This is a bad idea. No, like we're not going to know until we actually get there. And it's again, it's going to be a lot of trial and error as to what actually ends up happening. But it's definitely a concern of mine because Blizzard does tend to be very strict and, and borders for me personally, where I would consider something competitive, like in the quote unquote pickup basketball, like common ground sense, where you're, you know, at the neighborhood playing 21 tips, dumpstering your buddies, right? You know, like I'm, I'm talking trash, I'm calling them bad. That's how I do it. That's how I was raised, right? And I could be wrong <laughs> for that 100%, but, you know, I, I really just don't know. And there's no way for me to. So it, it, I guess it really depends on a subjective view. I mean, if we start banning people saying dog shit, that's a specifically anti-Samito measure in, in my book. That's, that's some <laughs> specifically Man, I've had targeted. to change my vocabulary so many times. I'll, I'll think of something creative. Don't worry. You'll find worry. I know you'll like, find a way. No, I get what you're saying. I, I want to make sure I don't cross it, right? I know it's like, you know, some people like it, some people don't, and that's cool. But at the same time, I also want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing, first and foremost. And, you know, I made my mistakes. I'm going to continue to. I'm human. But... You know, I also want to make sure that it's not going too far. So it's a learning experience, really, for sure. K canine poop. Canine poop. You canine poop, kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I prefer feces, actually. You know, it's, it's more oh, scientific. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Let flex on them in multiple ways. <laughs> Avril, I, I, I know you have thoughts on this. As, I know you have thoughts on this as well. I'll so keep, I'll keep it brief. I think, I think everyone else has kind of said uh, the main trunk of it. So I'll keep it brief, which is to say that I, I'm, I'm my position is I'm in a bit of a wait and see kind of camp where... I definitely see Samito's uh, concerns, and I think his uh, Sam's concerns are definitely quite valid. So I just want to see what level Blizzard are going to take it at. Like, what is their threshold? Uh, what kind of punishment? What is the severity of the punishments, etc.? Um, and also, like, how they're handling, you know, all the all the, the voice stuff with the uh, speech to text as well, because you know that's a, a very important distinction people have to remember. Is that uh, I think we've already talked about this, but you know, you need to have already been reported for this thing to like actually uh, engage, and uh, your voice is not going to be heard by another human being. Your voice is automatically transcribed via AI into text, and that text is then reviewed. So your specific voice is not even what is being reviewed. And we can, you know, there's a, there's a separate topic there about like, well, you know, what are the accuracy of the ai and what if they transcribe the wrong thing what if uh what if x or y or z and the, they misrepresent what i said blah 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 right that's a, that's a, maybe another topic i don't know if we get into that but for now um in some ways it's more fair it's a lot i think safer than valorant system even where they just straight up record your voice they're just going to record it like not even gonna like they're not i don't know what their storage is like i don't know if they have a policy for storage but overwatch's policy for storage is um, your voice is never stored, and the transcription of your text from speech to text is only stored for 30 days, and then it's gone. So, they are making a, a blizzard, when it, is who I'm referring to when I say they, are making a commitment to handle your, I guess, privacy with, with care. At least that's what they're saying, and you know, you have to kind of, it's a lot of like, source trust me bro, but like, I, I don't, <laughs> there's not, nothing else to really go on, you know, you got, you either, you either trust that or you don't. And if you don't, then your options are, I guess, don't play Overwatch or don't use voice chat. And I got to say, like, I'm not going to berate anyone for not wanting to use voice chat. I think there's other concerns there with, you know, um, underrepresented agendas may, might not feel safe using voice chat. But you know, I got to say, you know, the game's done a much better job of enabling people to still play the game and succeed without voice chat. You know, ping system um, is a big improvement in that regard. So, um, that's still fine from my perspective, you know, do what you feel is safe for you, but, you know, um, 
people that are shitting on it a lot, I gotta say as well, it's like, you know, I, I, I would find this as like a weird hill to die on. If you are like extremely upset about this, I find it to be a weird hill to die on because um, it's likely that if you participate in the internet, you've already sold your information to so many other places. Like, if you've ever used Google, I mean, Google knows where you travel to at all times. Like, they've been tracking you forever. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like it's a weird hill to die on if you're like super, I'm in, you know, I my privacy. It's like, well, if you really want to be safe on the internet, if you're going to die on that hill, you better just throw your phone into the river and never use the internet again. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, for real. I, th I think definitely yep. having concerns of the yeah, privacy don't talk about snacks either yeah cheese snacks man <laughs> deadly shit it's all valid i think again it becomes about where the line is right so i think our to summarize kind of like well let's see where they draw that line we don't want it to be no one none of us are dying for blizzard to take all our information and sell it uh, despite what the internet might say so hopefully that's it's not an invasive line i think what they've described sounds fair but again we will have to keep them in check if it sounds like it's going too far um, now, another it was so much for us to discuss, actually having meaty content discussion. What, what a time to be alive. So another thing that, that we know is coming new is the new comp system. So uh, again, to briefly summarize, we're getting, rather than having a granular SR number, we're going to have skill tiers, which sadly have been STDs. abbreviated Woo! to STDs, skill tier divisions. So how many STDs you got, bro? Um, we would rank one STD. Zero, well, we all play Overwatch. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think some, I think I saw a seagull. I think I saw a seagull clip that was like, uh, "Top 500 doesn't have STDs because they're virgins." So they don't. <laughs> so we're gonna have skill tier divisions. Also, uh, everyone going into Overwatch 2 is kind of under, subject to uh, MMR instability, essentially. So you know the game is keeping track, and there was a lot of discussion about MMR reset. The game basically still has a rough you know, track of where your MMR was when you last left, last left off in Overwatch 2 but go, or Overwatch 1, but going into Overwatch 2, there will be some uncertainty coming into your rank and it's willing to adjust your rating quickly because it is a new game. But it's much more strict for players who haven't played uh, in a long time. They will have their SR and MMR dropped uh, significantly, automatically, and then on top of that, there will be strong variants. So if you haven't played for a long time, in theory, uh, if you're still good, it'll quickly find you where you were. And if you're bad because you've not played in a while, then it will drop you down. So there won't be the initial fear, hopefully, of like someone who hasn't played in 10 seasons was 4K, comes back is 4K. Now, uh, on that general overall sentiment, and also uh, one final thing is the way the SR will change. Now it's no longer per game. Uh, you have to either win seven games or lose 20 games before your SR will be updated. And it won't be your SR, it'll be your skill tier. Uh, so you'll just know whether you change skill tier or not. And sadly, uh, still no stacking in GM. I know that's something that bothers you, Flats. Uh, but how do you feel generally about the new Comp 2.0, as it's called? It's kind of underwhelming. Be real. It's like... Damn. I, I actually didn't think... I, like, it's good. Like, there's, there's a lot of good in it, right? Like, there's... The goods are... Um, Things like the skill tier divisions are going to help players from having the fear to play comp. Like the, all the players that they hit 2,500 and they never play again. They're like, I don't want to lose my plat. And it's like, dude, it's been six months. You've long lost that plat, dude. Like <laughs> you are not at that level anymore. You're probably actually closer to silver now because the rest of the game has kept progressing and you just don't play anymore. So you can hold on to that little shred of relevancy of plat that you so desperately wanted to cling on to. Um, and it encourages them to keep playing because it only updates after every seven games or 20 losses. It's a good system. That's good. 
Um, but there's major flaws in this system. Um, one, it still seems to work off the SR system. So it's the same fucking system. And they literally came out and told us that each skill division is like 100 SR. So any player who knows anything about anything is going to go, oh, I'm plat 5, so I'm 2,500. Oh, I'm plat 4, so I'm 2,600. Like, it's the same thing without the number. It's literally the same thing. And then at the top level, it's actually worse because now you have ranks 1 through 500 for top 500 which top 100 won't have a skill division it'll just be a number um and you actually won't have an sr number you will just have rank 500 so if let's say it says rank or rank 500 gm1 and then you get gm1 and you're not top 500 you don't know how to how much further you're off you're just you just don't know fucking you don't have a fucking clue there's no number there anymore so you don't know what rank one is. You don't know what rank 500 is. You don't know where you are. You just see this like bland GM one in there somewhere. And it's like, what, what am I looking at? You know, it just does. It's kind of seems a little bit half baked. Um, but that's not even my biggest problem. My biggest problem falls into the whole MMR thing. So I know that they're not doing like a, like a big full reset. And I understand there's like data behind it and whatnot. Um, but I think the even the reset system is somewhat half baked because if it behaves like the 3900 system uh, in Overwatch One, there you tell me a single GM player that likes the 3900 system, you can't find one because why? One players don't mind going back and rank and re-earning it. That's not a problem. The problem is one placements. Placements are dog shit. Nobody tries in placements. That's going to now actually happen in your games even more. Because you have little Timmy that comes into chat and they're like, Mr. Flats, why why did you play five placements games and when oh and five you placed 3900? But I placed five and oh and I'm silver. It's like, well, little Timmy, you were silver last season. Congrats. So that's the real reasons. Placement doesn't mean shit. It never has. It's an illusion. The only time placement means anything is your first time. That's it. Everything past that, it's just your number is hidden and you play five games and then it unlocks it based on wherever your SR was from winning those fives or losing those five games. That's all it is. Placements don't matter. So what happens then? For the first two weeks of the season, uh, top 500 isn't out, so nobody cares. So you have people placing throughout that two weeks and throughout that two weeks, you have people that are just trolling because they don't care about their five wins or their five games because it doesn't affect them. Why does it not affect them? Well, even further beyond that is it goes off of your MMR. So I actually distinctly remember there was like two or three seasons in a row where, in a row where Gator and Hawk went for top 10 and Hawk finished like rank one. And then the next season after that, after two or three seasons in, I ended up playing against Hawk on Hanamura and he had four diamond teammates and one low masters in him versus us with five top 500s and one with GM, right? So it was like really, really, really bad because his MMR was so, so high that it was impossible uh, for him to like realistically have a good rating. So you're going to have all of these players that are going to get pushed back ranks and it's still going to be off the higher MMR that from where they were before. So congrats now. You might now be silver five or silver one when you just finished plat five but guess what your games are going to be just as hard as a silver one as they are when they were a plat five that's not fun 
And people get mad at that because when you see the numbers much lower, you think that your game should be easier, but they're not because it goes off this magic back door number that you don't, you've never been able to see, but also calculates from this other new backdoor number called SR, which will place you, I don't know, let's say it places you diamond one or something like that. So you're not only have the, you're having your placement lower, but your games are harder. So if you place at a peak, like really high a peak, like that's like the best you've ever gotten, you're going to have to lose a bunch of games to bring that MMR back down. So then you can climb back up. Like, dude, it is such a frustratingly frustrating system mentally as a player. And I don't think they've really thought about it that much. And that's a part I'm really, really scared of because we're such a small community at the GM level that like all of us have been like, no, this system sucks. But we're so small, we don't make that loud of noise about it. When everyone else gets to play on it, good luck. So I just want to interject because what you're describing yeah. is absolutely like, if oh, that's how it works, it's absolutely huh? correct. But I, if I'm not mistaken, there is an MMR soft reset from how I understand it. Again, I think the problem it's is that it maybe hasn't been 100% uh, communicated clearly. But from what I understand, there is going to be a soft MMR reset, especially for people who haven't played in a while. They're going to definitely get an MMR reset. And I think everyone going into Overwatch 2 is getting a soft reset in the sense that, from what I understand, the uncertainty of their MMR has been ramped all the way up so that when we play our first few games of Overwatch 2, the matchmaker is very volatilely deciding if they wants to change how it rated us from its Overwatch 1 knowledge. So from what I understand, there, what you're saying is correct, if that's true, but I, from what I understand, there is going to be shifts to your MMR going into Overwatch 2. I don't know if anyone else has any... Uh, do you guys know which, which which is correct? Sam, Avril, do you know like what, how it actually is going to work? Not too sure. Not entirely sure. There's only which two again, things that I know. Go ahead, Sam. This is a very technical stuff. I mean, that is, I am begging, Blizzard, begging, please, 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 for your own sake and our sanity. What Vlad said about placements, so, so important. Like, out. like... Please, like, at least the, the way the reset works, if that's what it's going to be, it's, again, the, the wrapper of the candy bar instead of the candy bar. It's just, it, it, it's fake, it's not real, and it is miserable and gruesome. It takes away all, the way it was implemented is not good. So please consider just getting rid of it for your own sake. I'm not sure if you all understand how important it is. It is a zero out of ten system. Horrible. Please reconsider it. There's no placement. Two. There's no placement Overwatch 2, right? No, the, there yeah. is. No, Your I first think it's seven. just the seven games. No, yeah, it's just the seven, first seven, oh. seven games, though. Yes, but, but it's, it's not a placement, just your normal though, games. Because you're just playing them. That's how it's just your normal games. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, to yeah, me, that's, that's how it's going to be all the time. But if yeah, but you won't have a rating for your first seven, though. And if it, does it correct me if I'm wrong, is it going to do the same thing basically and put you around where that 3900 would be still, right? If that thing, am, I, am I misunderstanding that? So again, from whatever I understand, this is so perhaps there's a bit of confusion. Maybe Blizzard could. I'd like to think we're all actively engaged in whatever the content they put out. So if we're confused, maybe we need some more clear messaging on this. From what I understand, it every season will have a higher MMR uncertainty from now for now going forwards. Okay. For everyone who's playing, i.e. I, place the seven matches where you're not sure where you are. 
should be more meaningful going forwards in that you could significantly lose or drop SR. I don't know about the 3900 specifically about GMs. I don't know if they will always go down to 3900 or not, or if they will okay. always go down to, uh, what is it, GM5, whatever it'll be. Okay, maybe I w we'll skip that one for now because I'm I I might have misspoke there, but on to stacking at least. Stacking needs to come back for a couple reasons. One, Wait, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. GM, yes, uh, Gavin. You talking about GM stacking? I just want to be yes. specific. You talking about GM stacking? Specific, specific okay. GM stacking? Yes. I I have a counter point after you finish, but go on. Yeah, one sure. sec. Once I have Gavin in my chat right now, so like he can okay. provide a little bit of insight on what we were talking about. Said we are not calling anything placements in a rush two. We're adjusting your MMR much, much more aggressively at the start of, of rush two. I'm talking past the first season though. Yeah. Like when you reset. So like right, like let's say you play, you're finished GM one, and then you go, and then you get like a soft reset or something, right? How is that soft reset going to work? Am I going to reset? Like let's say I reset to diamond one. Am I going to have to play seven games to then get diamond one and then climb? Because that's that's a placement, right? Mm -hmm. Um, do you want to yeah, wait on his answer, or, or we'll come back? We'll come back to it. We'll come yeah, back. We can yeah, keep us keep us up to date with what Gavin yeah. says. For, uh, sorry, so, quickly uh, for everyone who's unsure who Gavin is. Gavin Winter uh, is part of the two lead people working on Comp. So Scott Merce and Gavin Winter are the people revamping Comp. So it's relevant what what his input is. Anyways, carry yes. on. Sam. Yeah. So uh, this actually is a little bit more about art than science, and art is not something I'm really good at. So, but I understand the importance here. In other big games, right, what the average consumer looks to all the time, and it's not just for content creation, but it's for a lot of things, is they want to see the big collaborations of, oh, X streamers playing, Y streamer, like this is going on, or like, oh, like X or Flats played against uh, the, the Hawk on tank and the, the Gator stack. Like, I love, not only did I love playing those like complicated games against the Owl stacks, who are only contractually allowed to three stack. And like, again, they, Blizzard can go in and the league can go in and say, Hey, out players, you can only duo. No three stacking because you'll dominate ladder too much. That's fine, right? That's okay. They they had that back in the day. That's why you always saw the NYXL three stacks and goats. And it was very fun playing against the Jonak stack and all those guys. It was it was some of the most fun ranked that you'd ever see, right? Your community deserves to be able to see like the 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 big streamer stacks that used to happen. It was some of the most viewed content on YouTube. People loved it in general. The only people who didn't like it were people who were saying, oh, well, we'd get rolled by this. Like, because comp was more competitive, especially at the pinnacle of play, which is supposed to be high-level play. Like, from a viewing experience and a playing experience for the most part. Now, it doesn't have to be a full five stack. If you want to disable that, sure. But at least three stacking. One for content creation, two for your community and to look towards the big streamers and look towards the people who are the quote-unquote figureheads of the community and actually enable them. And the game's content did so much better across the board because of that for everybody overall. Now, there were some people who you could say, yeah, I lost out on it, sure. But competitive was just more interesting. There was more heart in it. There was more soul in it, right? And Overwatch, more than anything right now, needs its heartbeat back. So I, I would really love to see that be tried again. It doesn't have to be the full five stack, but just at least three stacking, maybe one parole. Not sure how it would happen. But there was so much more life and energy. And while there absolutely are cons, I'm not trying to refute the fact that there are cons. I think in hindsight, it's pretty easy to say that the benefits and the pros drastically outweighed the cons for pretty much everybody across the board. And again, I'm not saying the cons weren't there, but 
there was so much more heart and soul and effort and ranked when this was a thing, and it was more interesting for viewers to watch play the whole the whole shebang, the whole shebang. So that's that's my take on that. I think stacking absolutely should come back, considering. Look at Warzone and like Apex, like they want to see the streamer stack. They're like, oh, Tim's playing with Doc today and they're running duos or or, or with Symphony and, and trios and quads. Like if we want to compete with the rest of the industry, I think this is something where we like if the science says, oh, well, these people get rolled, blah, 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 like whatever. I think this is something that we got to lean a little bit more towards the art on. And I'm, I'm a big like numbers, information, science guy. Even I'm like, OK, I think the art of this is just really important. Well, Avril, I believe, uh, might uh, have something to say about that. First of all, Gavin Gavin had some responses. Do we want to address those first? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. Um, also, I'll, I'll say my follow-up question for you, Gavin, in a second. Uh, but Gavin said, um, it increases variance in MMR. It's mechanically similar to placements, so we're right. So, like, it's similar to that. My, my follow-up question to that was, like, so for your first seven games, you don't have a rank. It just says unranked or, like, what your previous season was because like for example in, in apex when you get set, set back to like let's say you get set back to like plat four you have to start working your way through plat four like there's a reason you're win like you're playing to improve like to go further beyond like you have a rank if it don't watch two there's no rank there like you're just you know it just says placements or whatever i i think there's like a really dangerous area in that point because it's like if you're just going to place diamond one anyways or like whatever it is Let's say you place Diamond 1 no matter what because your MMR is so much higher, then those first seven games mean nothing. You know, that's that's the that's kind of what the follow-up follow question is. But um, the other thing to your point, Sam, was you said we're looking at how uh, we can let high-ranked high players play together. It's a tough problem for us. Um, and I actually agree with you, Sam. Um, but let me rephrase. I want to rephrase it maybe slightly differently um, because a lot of people like kind of like negative react because they're like oh you just want to pub stomp you just want to shit on people like pause pause because everyone knows what it's like to get absolutely just rolled by a stack of players that are just insane we all know what it's like that's not what sam's trying to say what sam's trying to say is this is a team-based game it is marketed as a team-based competitive shooter at the highest level you are punished and you are not allowed to play as a team in a team-based competitive shooter by just being good at the game by proxy. I think that it's a little bit of a weirder realm to talk about, like, you know, how, what kind of level of stacks you want to allow. But, like, some, for a good example, is, like, Valorant has a system where you can, like, one, two, three, five stack. No four stacking, so it doesn't let the last person be a four on one. And the five stacks only go up against other five stacks. If you're playing as a five stack with your friends and you get shit on by another five stack of people, I'm sorry to tell you, you just got shit on. That's it. Get better. That's it. That's They're what better than you. you. They won the game. Am I, am I, That's a good thing. I think, though, you can't five stack at the highest rank of Valorant. I think they stopped that. When did that? Did they stop that? I don't I, know if that's a thing. I don't know somebody, if that's a thing. Can somebody fact check me on this? But if I'm not mistaken, I believe fairly recently, like six months ago, you can. Okay, never mind. I'm talking on mass. I thought I read something that said you couldn't okay. five second radius. I think they restricted it a little bit more, but yeah. like well, you still can though. So okay. it's like five stack D, five stack Qs. Now the problem is, it's like queue times, right? Like how long do you make them wait? You have to let people know you are only going to play against another five stack. You will face increased wait times by playing as a five stack. Do you accept? Let it be known. Like let it be a like a, yes, I understand that. I want to play with my friends though. Here I am now allowed. And like there's a whole lot of things that can kind of go on there, but like look at old Overwatch, man. 
old Overwatch, everyone used to love to watch the six stacks play. That's all it was with six stacks, six stacks all the time. It happens in other games too. It, dude, no, no doubt, no Apex streamers solo queues. Like, there's like, I think there's, they're known. I think you can count on one hand how many Apex streamers solo queue. And that's pros and content creators. On one hand, nobody does it. Everyone stacks. That's how gaming has always been. You play with your friends. Um, also, uh, oh, okay, never mind. Let me see. Uh, let's see. Gavin, so Gavin, Gavin, said, Gavin had one more response, and then I'll go after that. Yeah, he said, you should have a rank, skill tier, and division, assuming everything works correctly. Smile. It will be a <laughs> bit lower than the skill tier and division you ended on last season. Okay, so, like, my whole thing, though, is, like, I just think placement should be gone. That's That's my stance on it, but remains to be seen how it works so yeah it sounds like there will be a, a um my position on stacking uh at the high level are we delayed is is that um you know what what does the greatest amount of good for the greatest amount of people um and i have a, maybe a little concern for the solo queue players because the thing about stacking is you're more likely to find more success stacking. That's part of the other reason why people stack to what flights are saying, like, oh, you know, everyone stacks. It's like, well, you're probably going to have a higher win percentage if you do stack. Um, and I think that's probably something that most people aren't going to disagree with because you're playing with people that you vetted, you're playing with people that you're going to like, and you're playing probably with people that are going to be equal to skill level or something like that. Um, so if you end up being... I feel like in, on some level, solo queue players are a little bit punished by that because it's like, you know, you if you're not stacking, you're kind of just missing out. Like you're kind of, you're not uh, able to climb as effectively. And at some level as well, like, you know, especially at the GM level, you're trying to, you're trying to make climb top 500. I mean, the most effective way is just going to stack. So is is all high level play just dominated by stacking? And, and before we, and, and I'm just going to quickly touch up on the whole uh, Apex and Battle Royale thing as well. I'm, 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 I see the comparison, but I think it's not an entirely fair comparison because it is a different game and it is a different game mode as well. But when you're talking about a battle royale, um, you know, while you could still run into a strong stack and get uh, squad wiped by them, you know, unless literally everybody is doing that. I mean, maybe they are, but like, I feel like it's a little different than the than the incredibly in a vacuum nuanced five v five or six v six from Overwatch one, where you are just specifically going up against that team. Whereas at least in a battle royale, going up against everybody, and there's a lot more factors involved. I think there's a there's a little bit more to that than than just straight up comparing it to Overwatch uh, Overwatch's gameplay. So I'm I'm not sure that's an exactly fair comparison to make. Um, and yeah, I just uh, I just question like how good of an experience is it for a, a non-streamer content creator professional player just a, a dude in gm trying to climb top 500 uh what is their experience going to be like if you know you're running into a lot of stacks and even if we're talking about like you know like oh five stacks can maybe should only play against other five stacks that system in theory works really well if there are a lot of five stacks playing if there's a lot of full stacks playing i can see that working quite well because otherwise you end up being in a situation where you got long queues you just keep running to the same stack over and over and over and over and if you've really lost that same stack like twice what, what do you do? Do you just disband your stack? Because like at that point, you're just scrimming a team and consistently losing to that same team you're scrimming against if they're better. I don't know. That's my perspective. Yeah, and I think I think it's a valuable perspective. And I want to add a few so things on it I as well. Can I answer that, SPB? Like, that last part's interesting. Like, oh, it's we got mega delays, I think. 
Yeah. Can I can I add a bit I'm more? Like five uh, from my... I'm like five seconds. I'm yeah, actually yeah. A solid five seconds behind. So I, I think don't Discord is Discord is borking. Uh, can I just add like a few more things and then Samito, you respond because obviously I want to get more of the anti-stacking rhetoric out first and then yeah, you can go respond. Um, so I think to add to what Avril said, I think this is basically a problem that almost every single game faces. And from whatever I gather, like it always ends up going the like whatever the the devs decide, the community wants the other opposite eventually. Because we used to have like you know you could stack, and then the community was like we should stop this, and so we added the GMs can't stack so much because of the infamous New York Excel series stack. Apex I know is having a problem because uh, the yes everyone three stacks in Apex at the highest level from what I understand, but that's also because you kind of have to. It's like it becomes mandatory. You might make the argument that that's how it should be. If it's a team-based yeah. game, you should have to stack at the highest level. But it also means that for someone who wants to solo queue, it's impossible at Apex at the highest level because they will always be up against three stacks. So it's kind of like this. It becomes like a chicken and egg. You're saying, uh, you know, would you say everyone is stacking because they want to or is it everyone is stacking because they have to? And of course, finding two more people is a lot easier than finding four other people. All of uh, What if you have no friends? which is a real problem for me but like what if you have to find you know finding four people who also have to find role specific remember that's the difference in overwatch in apex find two people yeah maybe you might have the same main but it's much easier to flex over as opposed to finding five people of the right role set and again so from valorant we got some clarification from chat which was that you can five second valorant at the highest level but it basically severely punishes the amount of sr you get so it's like 75 percent if you're i think something like you know if you're like have a <laughs> Have a, yeah, and I, I just wanted to add that context, right? We might say, actually, that's a good system. Let's get that for Overwatch. So other games handle it all. You know, they all kind of have a different approach handling it. What I will say is that it's basically a problem either way. There's always this seems to be like either you're sacrificing the experience of the solo queue player, where they're like, well, I can't even play this game solo at the highest level. I'm fucked. Or it sacrifices the team aspect where you're like, well, which is what Overwatch would be, where it's like, well, it's a solo queue fest now and there's fucking hog OTPs, sorry, Unsalted Salt. It's fucking hog OTPs on the top 100 all the time who don't synergize with their team or whatever, et cetera, et cetera, makes a shit game. So with that, uh, Sam, Flats, whichever one of you wants to kind of respond, go ahead. So a couple things. One, uh, on on the, the first of all, I, I want to agree with, and show some sympathy to the devs here. I, I I don't like seeing people bash on on this on them for this concept because there are distinct pros and cons on both sides, right? So like trying out one thing and the other, like to see what works, I think is a completely fair approach. And I think that you know I think that that's fine that that we've tried it. One on on the argument, well, what about the solo queue player queuing into the stack, right? One, let's be real, you're not seeing stacks every game. It's not going to happen every game. It didn't happen back in the day. It's not going to happen now. Most of the time, the stacks that you would play would go up against other stacks. Like My East Coast stack would go up against the six-stack goats, and we'd farm them on Bastion and Prime Goats meta, and that was fun. Like, the game ranked was more interesting. Two, the notion that just because a solo player every once in a while will get rolled by a stack, which sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't. Like, we beat some of these goats team. We had Crow on our team. We played five supports, one Junkrat. We won the game, right? Twice in a row. So, again, it really depends on player skill. The notion that we should diminish everyone's experience because one solo queue player in a team-based competitive game gets rolled by a stack and feels bad one game. The notion that we should take everyone's experience down to that level because in a very specific circumstance, that player suffers is preposterous. And it is objectively made ranked worse over the years. Objectively. Top 500 ranked is awful. It is terrible. It is borderline unplayable, right? And playing with friends or teammates in a team-based game should never 
B, now you want to punish it and make it harder because you have a higher win rate and reward you less. Absolutely, I'm totally fine with that. Less SR for stacking, sure. But it's about the core game experience. And this is why so many people, especially streamers at the high-level play, left Overwatch. This game is better with teammates, period, end of story, no discussion. If it's better for the product and you get better value from the product, there's no reason to completely remove it. Now, if we want to try a little middle ground and say, hey, maybe if, maybe not five stacking, sure. I Sure, but before five stacks have to go up against other five stacks. But the way the ladder's set up, if we disable this at GM+, the higher up you go in ladder, the better your competitive experience should be, right? Because theoretically speaking, maybe I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong on this one, guys, because I haven't really made this argument before, so I'm totally open to, to hear about it. But... I think there's a fundamental problem with the ladder and getting consumers to want to grind it. If the higher up you go, the worse it gets. If there's less ability to play as a team, the higher you get up in the ladder, what is the point of climbing on the ladder? Right? Like, ladder was just way more interesting and way better when you had maybe not the pro five stacks, the NYXL three stacks, sure, you could argue that, right? You Again, like I said, you could contractually make it so that they can't do that. There were contractual obligations to where you could not do more than a three stack after NRG was scrimming. Uh, what was the infamous v the video with NRG versus uh, one other team on Oasis where they were bastion on the, the jump pad? Y'all remember that game? It was like Seagull, Harb. I forget what the two teams were, but that was- I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it was iconic. And so we have robbed our consumer base from all these iconic moments where people would look up and be like, dude, these pros are awesome. This is so much fun seeing the streamers play the pros, the old Brandito meme stacks. Like the idea that every time you played against a stack, the game sucked is bullshit. I'm just going to keep it frank. It's bullshit. And if that's your opinion, you either are biased or you didn't actually play on the ladder, right? Like to this day, Nathan talks about playing true. against the old- like uh defran stacks where with Emon when they were spawn camping on selfless like the, it was just overall more interesting and it wasn't perfect i'm not trying to say it had no problems but if we look back on it it was just better and just because one person gets upset by getting rolled one game you could say they got upset because they got they lost the game anyway right there's so many reasons and you can't narrow it down to stacking we should not diminish everyone's experience because some people didn't like when it was going to happen. And look, it's not no, no answer is perfect. So I really do sympathize with the devs on this one. But I think, especially with where the rest of the industry is at, we got to do this to be more. Concerned. Can I? I've I've two questions in response to that. First, first yeah. one is actually um, I I'd like to get your opinion on on Gavin's question. Gavin had a, a question uh, in response to that in Blatz's chat. Maybe we could read that one out and, and sure. get to it. And then I I had one as well on top of that. Um. So Gavin says, one of the hardest questions we have to ask ourselves is what we do with an unbeatable stack. If the matchmaker calculates that a stack in the queue can't be beaten by anyone, what do we do with that stack? Should we never give them a game or should we offer them a team we know they will defeat easily? Obviously, we all have our own answers to the right solution here, but neither of them are good. So question for Gavin, would <laughs> Blizzard consider a certain time frame like what if you could only stack during prime timeout like there were certain like limitations to where like generally where you where you see i guess we haven't had stacking in a really long time are there times of day where you see more people stacking and if so what if there were certain limitations where hey they're like kind of like office hours for teachers in school like hey during these hours ideally not when scrims are happening what if there was like a time of the day where you saw stacking more like whether it be in the morning it doesn't or at have night. to be limited to owl right like technically there mm. will if there's a five if people are five second there will always be the mm. alpha five stack oh, that yeah. is yeah, technically sorry. gonna beat everyone um i honestly if there if 
that that's tough because at the end of the day, I'm a big advocate. Like I think that if you're more skilled, you should win, and that keeps things more interesting. Like for example, should you all have done something when uh, when Rogue with Reinforce on that team was like 18 and 0 and Unco, and they were considered to be the best teams in the league, but that, right? But should that's Blizzard competitive. Have that like, that's that's like that's pro play. We're talking about ladder. Like it they literally need to play a ladder game. Yes. They need to. Yeah, it's but they, so this is the ladder. There's a difference. But that's the pro so scene what? where they're it's, signing no, up for. Yeah, but not everyone. But not What's everyone comes into the ladder. Not everyone comes to the ladder of the stack, which leads into my yeah, question for you, Sam. Is like, how do you feel about potentially creating a system? And I'm not saying a directly create, but this indirectly creates a system where the preferred and almost advisable way to play the game is to stack. Because the difference between a tournament setting and a, and a ranked setting is that people don't come into ranked necessarily with a team and with a stack. And so the problem ends up being is. Well, then you have an apex situation where you basically come in with a stack, or you can't compete in ranked at all at that level. That's well, a system why, that you why, indirectly create. Why wasn't then create. everyone stacking permanently when stacking was allowed? Then that's not what happened. Because, that's not how games because play. not because not everyone has access to a stack. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I I, I got access sorry, to stacks. I wasn't permanent stacking though when stacking was allowed. That doesn't necessarily mean that everyone's going to do it, and that it's a problem, right? Because at the end of the day, I think that you you could argue competitive, sure, but I think more importantly, another point is that people like to play with their friends. It just makes games more enjoyable in general, whether you're winning, competing, or not. Like the games are just better with friends. Which I agree. Which I agree. I I don't know if I agree with five stacks, but where I'm willing to concede Same. is I think three. I think three stacks can is maybe I don't know. Gavin's in here as well, so this message is kind of for gavin to consider as well but um excuse me i think three stacks should be a very viable consideration for overwatch 2 simply because of the player numbers when you have a 5v5 game and you only allow two stacks inevitably you're going to end up in a situation with two two and one right so i think for at least for 5v5 i'm willing to concede a three stack because then you could have a two and a three stack together in the same game so you don't have one person as an outlier i think that's maybe a positive thing for yeah again i know gavin's in here listening as well uh, th that level I'm willing to concede at. Just, just if, if anything, just to even make the matchmaker easier. Um, I just don't know if five th five stacking is necessarily a healthy thing because, like, you know, maybe maybe I'm diving too deep into the theory of it and like, oh, well, what's the worst case scenario? Maybe I'm overblowing it as well. But, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I do have those kind of concerns. Well, I, I think I you're right. And on. I completely agree with you. Go ahead. Go ahead, okay, yo, I just want to quickly add on as well because I think there's very few people who would disagree with your premise, Sam, which is that the game is better when you're stacking and we should have everyone stacking, right? Those are like, that's the that's what they literally made Overwatch for. I remember the famous thing that like originally you could only stack in Overwatch, right? Like the when they originally envisioned it, you could only stack. It, it had to get... The problem is there's the theory and there's the realistic how people actually play the game. And the truth is that years of all this is irrelevant because people when given the choice would rather solo queue so you now have a problem as the dev where you're like well everyone wants to play solo but there's this niche because and you you know you said as well like uh well your game should get better as you as you climb that's still true actually i i disagree that it gets worse at top 500 i feel like maybe you feel that way because you primarily play there but from everyone who i know who actually plays in the metal ranks and stuff they look forward to climbing because they know they're getting a, a, a roughly better game and they're like oh yes thank thankfully i'm in teammates who don't even know what the fuck to pick or whatever mm -hmm. right so it is for the large majority of players it is a better experience when the higher they climb in terms of the teammates they're getting I think what we're talking about is like a very relatively a niche concern. Yes. That is more theory than practice because like in practice, most people would rather just solo queue. So you're now, the question you have as a dev is, do we play to the philosophy, which is we want this game to be a team-based game, 
but then you're punishing the people, the consumers, the primary consumers of your product who would rather play solo. So you're alienating them in favor of the philosophy that you want to push for. Well, two things. One, I think you're right. I should have been more specific about like, pu like punishing. It's not like the games are objectively worse when you climb. I'm not sure exactly the word I'm looking for. More so like format wise. Um, where you know you can just do more like in terms of format like you have the potential should you choose to to actually do more in lower levels play in terms of stacking with your friends etc cetera, etc cetera. um a couple things to answer that i one i want to agree with avril in that i'm not saying five stacking should be allowed but i think at least three stacking should just absolutely be okay i, I don't see a big i think that of a good middle ground and a starting I agree. point because, I agree again, you kind of want to ease into it it's about like it's about balancing it and finding the sweet spot and like testing it out, like you said, trial and error. So for me, like I'm a big advocate for three stacking. I think there's no reason that three stacking shouldn't be okay. I also disagree with the notion that people are being punished if you allow stacking at this level of play. Are you saying is the average player in? And I agree, a lot of people do like to solo queue, but the notion that it, that the game experience would just all of a sudden be so bad because you run into a stack rarely. I, I just don't think that's well, how the game Well, it would be like the Apex situation, right? Where it's like, eventually... Day, like, and again, that might be my... I'm sorry, I think we're on delay again. I think again. it's a little different. I I think that game format-wise... Oh, you're you're okay. Can you hear me still? Or Yeah, yeah, I got you, I got you. It's just delayed again. I, I don't know I, what I think Discord's personally, smoking. there's a big difference... Okay. I don't know what's going on today. I, I, there's a big difference between Apex and, and, and Overwatch ranked in this case. I think, one, the BR format is a little bit different. I think, you know, you could go either way on that, but... You know, I, again, and it's not a perfect system. There's no perfect answer. There's not a world where it's like right or wrong. It's weighing pros and cons. And to me, when you allow at least the three stack, and I can agree with not the five stacking, it was annoying going against the six stack tier three team playing goats. That was triggering. That was like frustrating, but still a competitive game unless you had your own stack. I think three stacking, let me make it more clear. I'm really, really advocating for at least three stacking to start. I'm not sure about five seconds. So I'd like to make that clarification, but... I think it'd be cool if at like at certain hours of the day only, hey, five stackings allowed or they open up a five stack ladder at like some something. This is something we could talk about down the line, right? But in the meantime, I, I really just disagree with the notion that because we allow stacking and you go up against a three stack, that somehow, some way the game on the player is just worse off. I just I just don't think that when put into practice, the three stacking at least, the six stacking I can agree with. The three stacking was a major hindrance to Overwatch ranked and Overwatch's core experience overall. That's fair. Flats, you've been very wrong. patient. Sorry, I know we've been, you know, speaking over you. Do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, I'm like six seconds in the past. It's impossible for me to cut. <laughs> um, I think, and I, I respect everybody here. So I say this with full respect because I know you all will not take this the wrong way. But I think it's lunacy to think that not having to having five stacking is going to ruin the game. Like. First off, I've got some reminders from some peanut gallery people that, you know, maybe haven't talked in chat, but uh, back in the day, not those Overwatch League 3 stacks of the Jonax stack, they didn't even try hard half the time. Like, they were memeing. Like, they were literally memeing against another 3 or 4 stack at, like, 2 in the morning. Like, yes, when they tried, it was scary, but they were basically headhunting each other. They didn't care about rank that kind of way. It wasn't, like, all that serious. And then when it got limited, like, it was in their contracts that they couldn't stack, like, higher than a certain amount. Like, that was, like, an Overwatch League side. They fixed that on their own, and then it got implemented for the rest of Ranked. I just, I think it's complete lunacy to think that 
not having stacking in a game is going to be better because you know what's going to actually happen? Those players are going to go off rolling diamond and stomp through their stacking. It's not any better. The people that sit back on the throne is like, oh, well, the high-level player stacking going to ruin games. No, actually, you think it's the other way. You think it's going to be that way. It's actually <laughs> the other way around. People are going to come down to your rank and probably, and actually probably not through like plat, like diamond to masters are going to go stomp through All your time. rank on their off rolls or even on, on, on another account if they happen to have one for, for two phone numbers. Two phone numbers isn't that out of the out of that. Two phone numbers isn't that tough because you got yours and if you got your parents, like you already got a few of them, you know? And if you don't have like one for yourself, then you have your parents' numbers. You know what I mean? Like there's a limit of how many numbers a person can use, but there are a few options. And I think it's ridiculous to not think that those are possibilities. And Blizzard has been very much pushing this whole player psychology thing. Why is there no player psychology data on high-level players are much more active in the community than not high-level players? High-level players literally make the game their personality. They have Twitter accounts dedicated to just Overwatch. They have Discord accounts that they they join a bunch of servers for scrims, looking for teams, talking about Overwatch. They follow Twitch streams. They follow content. They keep up with dev blogs. They are much more involved than the casual player. They are not, they are putting in, putting in a box to say like, oh, they're ruining the solo queue experience. Most high-level players know each other. Like, whether we're friends or not, I know most of the top 500 that exists, or at least if they still play. I, at one point, knew almost every single person, not on a first-name basis and a friends level, but I could go, oh, yeah, I know who that is. Like, they play XYZ Hero. And it's like, it, it's it's maddening. It's actually maddening to think that it, a, a culture could not develop like in Apex, there's a server in Apex called the Top 50 server that only you are allowed to join it if you're Top 50 in, like, NA, EU, etc. And the reason it exists is to, one, talk about high-level problems and help each other when there's cheaters. They like basically can give each other a heads up, like, hey, this account's cheating right now on this server, etc. But also they stack with each other, and they're able to communicate and play together. Like, those cultures develop in high level play so why is it high level play that's being taken away the the stacking why is the rest of the ranks not losing their stacking because you know the answer is that it's more fun and you have the players for it so you can't really sit there and tell me that if you if you couldn't have some kind of warning that you're gonna have a longer queue time and and, and even to go further beyond that let's say like there's a rank there was a question that was let's say there's one stack that's just stomping its way through okay well guess what if it's really high elo and they're stomping their way through they deserve to win don't give them much SR. Give them one, two. Because that's how it used to be. Where if you won a game as a six stack and you were winning a lot of games, you got one SR. One. And guess what? People kept playing because it was fun to play with your friends. It was fun to win. But have them play against the number two, number three, number four. Whoever it is, that's close enough. You don't have to have them play against them every single time, but rotate it through. Like, the, those good players should kind of be rewarded. You know, they should be challenged. And honestly... If it's stacking versus stacking only, you actually lose the potential to beat that stack. Because let's say uh, Jonak and Mono and, and Fury and Carpe are duo queuing and uh, by themselves. Well, guess what? You could throw those two as duo queues versus this Magic Five stack, and I all of a sudden think that that duo duo solo probably could beat the five stack in a lot of ways because they can. The system can recognize these players are just so much better, but they're only playing in solo queue duo queue right now. Why doesn't the system wait for like a like a 30 minute game and it waits until a couple of really good players get in and boom slaps that game together and that's how the system kind of used to work and those duo queue or solo queue players were so much better than the stack they'd beat them. So it doesn't have to do it every time but I feel like there's answers here that 
we're kind of like we're looking at worst case scenarios and there's there is worse actually because they're gonna go ruin the regular games like gamers are gonna do that like if they want to go six stack with their friends they're gonna go six stack with their friends or five stack with their friends like it's gonna happen you know and it's like why remove the competitive aspect of the best teams playing and being good and actually caring about winning instead of going somewhere else because you can do it in the lower ranks. Like, I feel like you're almost encouraging people to leave and go stack at that point, you know? And I, I always like to use this example because I used to be a, a siege player. My team actually, when I first started playing was actually a group of friends. We all climbed up to diamond the first season, like season zero technically. And we only five stacked as a team until eventually like people start playing and stuff. I joined a pro team and stuff like that. But like, we only played as a team and played against other players that were like playing. I don't know, like they were always five stacking, whatever. There wasn't a really great way to tell. But what happens if I was playing with a group of friends and we all get good at the game? We climbed to GM and now we can't play anymore. It's like that just seems lunacy, you know. Like there's no game that does that, you know. So that that's yeah. that's kind of where I stand with it. Is I know there's complications, but the fact that we're prepping for the worst case scenario and losing one of the best spots of the game and one of the what a gaming is fun. It, it's not worth it. It, I don't like it. Avril, do you have anything you want to add? I, I would first. I uh, gave a bit of response. We can get to that afterwards. But I, I would only add that I think hearing the explanations from Sam and Flights a little bit more, I'm willing to be open to the possibility and just see how it goes. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I still firmly hold that. I think three stacks would probably be fine. I'm maybe a bit more open to five stacks based on what Flights has just said, but I. I'd probably be, you know, entering that with a bit of trepidation just to see how it goes and if it could be a problem. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think flights has swayed me at least a little bit. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think they're definitely, I concur with flats as well in the sense that I also experienced just the, the, you should never feel like you're being punished for stacking, right? I think that's always a bad issue. And I, if anyone's watched this stream, when I'm stacking with like Frito and what about the, we, well, the opposite as well. It's true, right? You, you don't want to be punched yeah, for not stacking. You don't, want to be stacking, for not stacking. You don't feel like you're being punished. And obviously, then the question becomes: Should we just have separate queues for these people? But then, you know, that's another consideration. So it's like, it's it's obviously tough, right? It's obviously tough, and this is why we're not game devs and we're sitting here, um, because there's <laughs> a, something is sacrificed everywhere. Like again, when I play with Frito and Nate, we always complain because when even when we're three stacking and like masters, it really feels like we're being given some real doo doo teammates to compensate for the fact that we're three stacking. And I wonder how much of this is a consequence of low player population, because a lot of these problems really became more prominent when there wasn't that many people to match you with and so it then that's when you really end up in these unfavorable scenarios i think at peak times this really shouldn't matter but it's when or like recent overwatch when there's nobody playing so when even if you're three stacking in masters as me and frito and nate were you're getting like the absolute worst teammates ever versus like five of the best solo queue players they could find so it's, it, it i totally get it where where you guys are coming from and obviously i hope you know it's a lot of devils advocating on my end as well, but I do think that it's a, it's a tough consideration Blizzard have to weigh up. Was there anything else, else you want to read from Gavin? Uh, one, right? Yeah, he, he says, West Coast Korea games with our players aren't the only problem. Low population regions with very high MMR stacks playing in off hours create the similar issues. Yeah. Uh, and I, I responded in the chat to him saying that there was actually was a very infamous case of this in uh, in OCE with a with a six stack of contenders level mm -hmm. players where they uh, where a, a player got to I think forty seven or forty eight hundred six stacking off hours with the uh, all contender yeah. stack. 
that that, that was a thing. That was a six stack in Korea in season three when the big SR boosts were a thing. So that was a little bit different. They, there was a huge from season two to season three. They boosted. Uh, there's for whatever reason there was like a big SR boost, and so everyone placed high, and that's why you saw like forty nine hundred peaks and stuff like that. Evermore six six stacked on Hog back in the day. So that that was a little different. But I will say one of the cons was definitely people six stacking. Like there was they did an SA two where they'd six stack goats and get rank one. But do you know what ended up happening? They got they they got hunted by Kluge, Hawk, Gator, and we would all stay up till three a.m. and we Q snipe and we farm them and it was fun. Like they didn't they tried to get around us. No, we stayed uh, salt shakers on the horse and we were ready to roll on Bastion. And those things got farmed. <laughs> like I, like we we would intentionally snipe. Like stack sniping was fun, but there were stakes. And at the end of the day, this is the big point. Ladder is better with stakes, whether you win or lose. Like there's more Bounty hearts. Yeah, oh, oh, we would. Oh, are you? Are you? Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, there was hunts going on. We'd be on the chase. I'd be. I'd be on soldier so quick. Like, in the, don't get me started. Don't get me those started. Those were fun. fun we look back at those, and those were fun, and we're taking them away because the solo at... queue, little Timmy, little Timmy can't play with anyone else. Like, fuck, dude. Like, uh, man, like, I, I don't, I don't believe, especially in roll queue, right? Like, here's one thing where I was willing to compromise. I think a lot of people were too. Where when we made the tr transition from open queue to roll queue, we sacrificed the creativity of the game, which oftentimes was pretty negative on ladder. And I, I do like roll queue, but in especially in a roll queue format, we've already sacrificed like a lot of the creativity of the game for more structure, right? I don't like. I, it just feels soulless without like stacking. Like like we, I don't want to sacrifice anything else. And and again, like three stacking, I think is a great starting point to like kind of edge it out. But oh yeah, the old the old bounty hunts on on the the guys six stacking <laughs> goats at three a.m. It was real. And one question for you guys too: Do you all think a system where like maybe like once a week, like during certain hours, and Blizzard makes it pretty public? Hey, five stack hours. You can only queue this optional ladder for a five stack. It'll only be up for the weekend. Like everyone go play, like just little things like that. Would that be? Do you think <laughs> it'd be too hard for them to make? Or, uh, oh wait, that is tournaments. Oh god, thank God Frida's not here. He'd be roasting me. Yeah, Frida would um, be like, <laughs> "I've been asking this for ten years, Samito. Before you were even uh, born, I was asking for tournaments." <laughs> oh, let me let me just go ahead and bring up hero bands for anyone's bingo cards. Oh, since god. I didn't bring bingo up bingo for Is there actually a bingo sheet for today? Not a specific one. I did, forgot to make one, but I'm gonna make. Wait, I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work with my mods to make like a generator so that you can go to like a website or something and you can just pick what you want on your bingo card so we can start hitting it. <laughs> Let me just say. I will just say, in, it, just to throw a bone to Sam there. I mean, I see what you're saying though as well. It's like, in some ways, it sounds like tournaments, but it also at the same time, it's almost like a soft tournament. But it's not actually yeah. tournament format. You're just playing ranked games and playing a, a ladder. So it's as if it was a tournament, but the format was that you're just trying to play on a ladder and then the ladder finish at the end of the weekend right so it's like a it's like a very soft because when you say tournament it sounds like you're going through a bracket and then it's eventually like a bracket winner like a finals or yeah. something whereas this would be more like you're just stacking ladder as much as you want over the weekend and then at the end of the weekend whoever's wh whichever team is at number one on the ladder i guess quote unquote wins whatever or i guess like a, uh, a career like a, a player icon or just, just something fun because like, you know my roommate you know is a very casual overwatch player you know all my buddies you know believe it or not like uh, this is one of the reasons I love the game so much. Overwatch actually reunited me with all my best friends when I was a kid. Like, I kind of went off on my own from the time I was, like, 16, 17. So, like, I was about 20. And uh, I actually reunited with my friends because my buddies, like, played Overwatch. And they saw there was an article in the paper when I hit rank one in Kentucky. 
and they saw it. He donated five bucks to my shoes. Like, hey man, I don't know if you remember me. We, like, we went to the elementary school together. Like, we played baseball. I was like, dude, like I'm an idiot, but I'm not that dumb, right? And so we all became best friends again. And small world story, but his my buddy's dad, who grew up in Atlanta, actually grew up with my dad, and we never knew until like we started playing together and stuff. And now we're roommates. Um, and we were talking about like getting together just to stack this weekend, one last six stack with like one of our buddies, Zen Main, Ryan Main, just have fun. Like if there were ladders like that every weekend, like we wouldn't, they wouldn't be playing Warzone. They'd be back playing Overwatch. Like just the little things, man. It doesn't, and that might be a good middle ground. Like allow three stacking in every weekend or every other weekend. Like just uh, if it's feasible resource wise, let's just throw up a five stack ladder and see what happens, right? Like if it, it's, it's an experiment, I think a lot of people would play, especially if like streamer stack were playing, like. I think it'd be a fresh twist on Overwatch, and I might, I'm just kind of rambling. I'm going to stop now, but you, you know, I, I think it'd be cool. Did you say you were featured in a Kentucky newspaper for reaching rank one? Oh, yeah, yeah. I did a couple things. With Nothing's the, the happening new, in Kentucky, man, i got to tell you. Yeah, Since dude, they, they made that fried they, you know, chicken, it, it you know was what downhill. They say. You know what they say about Kentucky? I've said this on the podcast before. Mark Twain said it. Everything there happens 10 years later, so don't worry. It's even more delayed than Discord today. That's where they want to be <laughs> when the world ends, because everything in Kentucky happens 10. And our other slogan is, thank God for Mississippi, because now we're 49th in everything instead of 50th. So <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. It's a, it's a real license plate. And we play Ole Miss funny. tomorrow too, so we need that dub, baby. We need that dub. Sorry for sidetracking, but back to it. No, no, okay. I, I enjoyed the I'm whole Semnito, the whole Semnito <laughs> stories. So, no, it was really good. I think I think we've kind of discussed it to death. We've given Blizzard a lot of uh, food for thought as well. I think uh, Gavin has been listening very kindly, and hopefully, he will kind of mull this over, and we'll see what solution comes in. Can I do one last thing. Yeah, go for it. This is more of a psychology thing as well. Um, for the longest time. Everybody looks up to GM top 500. They want to reach that promised land, right? If the promised land doesn't look fun, nobody wants to get there. The longest time, it was the fun place to be. XQC days were a great example because there was people that literally, literally, I remember, would grind ranked just to try to get to GM so they could snipe his games. <laughs> Probably terrible for him. But, like, think about the commitment. Is people played ranked just to climb to have the chance to snipe his game. There was also people that climbed because they wanted to get into a game with someone like Tim, or they wanted to get into a game or a face against the Seagull stack or the or, or the or the the Emog stack back in the day. You know, like they wanted to fight those. They wanted to be like they hard, are rolling hard. everyone. I want a piece of that. I want to take a shot at it. Those are things that your game makes on its own. You can't program that. That's something that your game and your community make on their own. Taking that away is a robbery of your community and of your game. And I really, really, really hope to see that again. 100%. Fair point. Very fair point. Okay. So that's a, that's a lot of discussion on, on laddering and stacking and comp 2.0. I think one uh, big major area we haven't discussed is the new hero and just the general feel. I mean, quite a few of you here have been able to play the the new feel of overwatch 2 or the basically near launch ready version uh so how do we feel about kiriko just the general game's feeling balance i don't want to go too deep into balance for a game that no, not many people have even played yet but just generally the feel of it uh how did it so feel in you ahead, you Adam. guys all played kiriko right you guys all played kiriko because i haven't so i'm just gonna sit out I'll see you guys later <laughs> well, you've been, watching, <laughs> you've been watching as well so i'd be curious about your opinion of like the current meta and stuff uh. but Right. I, I only played Kiriko one time uh, at the summit. I was doing with ML, so I let him play Kiriko the entire time. So even I don't have uh, a lot of thingy to go off. But uh, Sam, 
How did you feel about so, the, the build? Unfortunately, I didn't get to play because the days I was going to be able to play it, I was driving to Kentucky to get my PC. So that was tough. But initial thoughts and stuff like that. I think the streamers are delusional if they think that hero won't at least be solid, right? I mean, depending on the meta, right? I think that um, I saw a lot of people saying that I that she wasn't going to be that good. And I'm like, I don't know who about that. it's not good? Wait, uh, have, you, have you seen Twitter? People are like, she won't be OP. Was like, it Metro? The inbound's in only oh God, 0.75 seconds. I, think, like, we'll I, see I about the idea that. was like, it's not as OP as like other things in the past. I thought that's what the sentiment was. But like, oh, yes, oh, yeah, she is going to, she will be a, the, the number one pick. I'm the principal of a homeschool. Holy impressive, right? Like, nah, come on now. Like, like, like look, I. I think, let me say this, I, I, I'm happy with the design changes that they've made. It seems like there's been a change in philosophy, and I'm really, really happy about that because this game, in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinion, had several years of just really unhealthy hero design. I think that's starting to change, and especially like on the, on the path to, to healing that we are on now. A reminder, a big point to people at home, this is the starting line, and this is something that I think John Spector's really wanted to convey to everybody a lot of the general gaming on it. So this is why I think I, I really like the position Overwatch is in right now. I really do. I like when we're like expectations are a little low, right? And I think that they might just be able to slide in there and and and, and take people by surprise with a lot of the foundations they built. But you know, I, I think that Kiriko, aside from the invuln, I don't think inv uh, an appliable invulnerability on a character that has a ton of excess utility already on an AOE belongs on any ability that is not an ultimate, in my personal opinion, right? I think that. It's a very fine line to walk. I'm unsure about how it's going to play out. My gut instinct says it's going to be good. Um, we'll see, especially if the DPS passive comes in. I think flankers are going to be really, really strong, and in like a dive-esque meta will be meta in Overwatch 2 when it comes out. But you know, we'll have to wait and see. But I, she looks solid. I really, really love the like almost trappy theme they've been putting on their trailers oh, like the, the music, almost go-getter they have been absolutely killing it dude like oh my god they are they're the best in the world it's not even close so i really love the theme that they have to overwatch making it a little bit more edgy and i hope to see some super dark storylines coming out in the pve as we go into 2023 whenever they plan to release that i i love the theme i love the vibe i think they killed it and i'm excited to see what's next as they continue to kind of unveil more and more of Overwatch. I listen. I love dark storylines. Attack on Titans a little too much for me, right? <laughs> Where's my Naruto okay. collab? Where is it? I did. I will. No, I will do something. If if Blizzard collabs with Naruto, I will. I I swear to God, I'll do like I'm not gonna say I'll do a Mercy cosplay. I'll do something stupid. Community pick. I don't care. Cosplay. Make me look like an idiot. Sakura, oh, don't do that to me, bro. I'm not going. To <laughs> like, 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 At like, least like, a Naruto cosplay. At least. Yeah, I, I, I'll do something, dude. I'll do something. Just please, I guess. Oh, John Spector, I'm, I'm counting on you. Please. That's, that's all I got. That's all I got. Okay, in that case, let's take it to Flats then. Someone who's extensively kind of played in, in the sort of build that we got access to. Flats, what do you think? You think Kiriko land coming? So I played a lot, like a lot. Um. Absolutely. She's going to, I mean, everyone's going to pick her because they want to play her anyways. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm doing my first ever scripted video uh, to talk about how different tank is in Overwatch 2. And I'm almost done. I still got Diva in my intro and outro and I'm at like 8,000 words, 10 pages plus at some point at this point. It's, it's long. It's chunky. Um, but <sighs> You're not wrong, Sam. Um, like, for example, Ryan is really, 
hurting in some areas. I think we'll be fine in team play, but in like solo queue, uh, when you shatter people, like if you get a four man shatter, Kiriko just goes a boop and just everyone stands <laughs> up. That's uh, that's not fun. But the rest of her kit makes sense. Like, like you can like it's such a small time time for like something like Junkrat, right? Like before you just throw up the lamp and just sat it and just shoot at the the tire and hope for the best, right? Like you have to time it really well. Like those like those are like little de- design tweaks that I think are like much better than it was in the past but you're right though it is still it is still scary but i hear hear me out i actually think it's at a point there are a few characters that probably could use a little bit of like help like joker queen's dead that character doesn't exist anymore um but it's fun it feels a lot kind of like overwatch one originally you know like some things were just completely fucking busted right like you know you're like okay that yeah that's probably not that's not balanced but it's fun and I think that's kind of like the key for a lot of people is you're going to have a good time because you do feel like you're doing stuff. You feel like you're impactful. It's not like Overwatch 1 uh, in a lot of ways where you are you have to play reactive instead of proactive. You can play proactive in a lot of ways in Overwatch 2 again, um, which is good um, because the reactive meta was ass. Like you sat there, you shoot shields, shoot shields, wait for your shields to break, then rotate cooldowns, then you rotate cooldowns again, then someone's got an ultimate, then they use that ultimate. You lamp that ultimate. Survive the lamp, back away, shields back up, heal up, heal up, walk forward, cool down. Like it was like almost like a like a boring version of fucking chess, you know? It wasn't even like a good version. It was just like it turned into shit. You know, it was like connect four, but like you use chess pieces and you had to like slam them down. (laughs) Um it was just ass. Like it just wasn't fun. I I will say that it start it feels a little bit more FPS again. It's very brawly and it's it's fun. Like that's the big takeaway, is it's fun. Um the tempo is pretty good. And you don't really feel like you're blowing up on tank again anymore. So I feel like tanks gonna people are gonna have more fun on tank again. There's a few that need help, but that's a different point. Uh, most of the tanks feel really fun. They feel unique, um, and, and that's where I think like the, the gameplay of Overwatch starts to shine again. Uh, being able to play those heroes like Genji, being able to play those heroes like Sombra. Sombra's pretty good again. I wouldn't say like too busted, but high level play might be okay with like Winston. Um, Sigma is really good. Zarya is really good. Diva is honestly surprisingly really good. Like, like all these characters are really, really good again, and they're fun. There's like a very small handful that maybe could use a little bit of help, but they're still okay. You can still make it work. Um, so, what do I, what do I think about Overwatch Two and how it's going to be? I think you're right that the expectations are low. I don't think people were expecting a whole lot out of it, and I think people will be taken by surprise a little bit by how good the game feels. And realistic, I want to say it feels polished. It feels pretty polished. Like for a game that I think most of us know was a little bit rushed. Um, like they rushed the PvP because like the game was dying. Like, like it went from like it was on like a like on small life support to like it flatlined. It was like, oh god, we gotta do with chest compression, like please. So they had to rush this over to like, you know, get us out of like get us get us something. It's it feels really good. And I will say, like, beta one and beta two, like there were things that didn't feel that polished. It feels polished in a lot of ways. And I think it's good um so gameplay wise is it gonna be the most balanced no are you gonna have fun with it i think the answer is yes and i think that's gonna be the big the big driver for a lot of people is when they pick it up and go wow this game kind of fun again yeah i mean i'll just add for my feeling of whatever i've played and seen and then we'll kind of i want to get avril's feeling on just kind of the pro scene as well but um from my pov as someone who hasn't played or watched one in over a month and my only interaction with Overwatch was at the Crater Summit when I uh, played with you guys. 
Uh, and I went into the Creator Summit not sure if I'd ever make another Overwatch content piece or if I'd even ever play Overwatch again. Um, but being there and seeing, like, not just seeing the presentation, but also playing, I felt more excited for Overwatch than I've done in years. And I, you know, I, I've kind of said this in a video, but like, there was a moment in the presentation I looked at the screen and I was like, this game is a hit. Like, that's it. Like, I was just in my heart, I was convinced. I was like, this game, there's no way this game fails seeing what they've shown us. So obviously I'm a bias shield. This is sponsored by Blizzard, but yeah. um, <laughs> I think the feel of it, it feels right. Obviously there's a little bit of bias because we were playing in a pug setting, you know, with other creators who I like. And then there's Metro. Sorry, Metro, you're catching too many strays today. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a biased feeling, but it was, it was amazing. It felt like Flat said, it felt like what Overwatch felt like at the start. It felt like what I did mattered. It felt like I could pick whatever I want. Largely speaking, again, there's always going to be some balance gripes. I was like, why should I ever pick Ana when I can just pick Zen? So there's all these kind of considerations to it, but it felt right. It felt like the game we wanted, the game that we all fell in love with. Um... And I do think there are some busted things, but there's a funness to some level of bustedness, right? That, that's kind of what gets the seats on the, on the you know, or butts in the seat, right? It's like, I want to play, I want to do this absolutely crazy thing. Like, we've all seen the clips. We've seen Yidl get nano-boosted, Kiriko ulted, and just maul everyone in two seconds. You want to see a little bit of busted stuff. As long as it doesn't become oppressive, that's the problem, I think, when it's like, this is the only thing you got to pick, right? That, that's it. That's when it becomes boring. That's when you're like, snooze, I know every game I'm going to have to go up against double shield or goats, whatever. But the little bit of that, like, magic of I cannot believe what this hero does is what makes Overwatch fun, I think. And I, I definitely think that whatever I've seen and played captured that for me. Uh, and I also think that there's been a healthy diversity in, in the life of Watch 2 so far, barring one patch, in terms of what we've seen at the pro level. And this is where I want to get Avril's opinion, because I've been mm -hmm. talking about this before the, the podcast, but it seems like uh, so far the pro, pro meta has been you know, maybe more diverse than it's ever been. Absolutely. I think there was a stat line uh, first week of... We're currently in the Countdown Cup, which is the last tournament stage before we head into playoffs and then eventually into finals in Anaheim for the Overwatch League finals. But, uh, you know, one week ago in week one, there was a stat line, something like every single hero on the Overwatch roster available, minus Kariko, obviously. So up everything up to Jungle Queen has seen legitimate playtime. And when I say legitimate playtime, I don't mean walk out of spawn, go for a hook and go back and change, like actually roll out, play a fight, go through everything. Every single hero had seen legitimate playtime except for two. Like, I'm trying to remember which two it was. Um, I, for, the, for the life of me, I can't remember. I, I'm not even. I'm not even convinced that Junkrat didn't see. I because there are some comps that like on Lee Junk Control Center, you do sometimes play Junk. Possibly, I, I legitimately can't. I know. Junkrat and Bastion. This is what Chat's saying. It's Junkrat and Bastion. Uh, maybe Bastion. Maybe Bastion. Sim Sim did get play. Sim saw serious game time um, in a Ryan comp. So yeah, like yeah, like then. like yeah, a bunch of. I mean, like, we're talking thirty out of thirty three though. That's pretty good. Like thirty, that's, 30 that's out of thirty two is pretty good. That's a really really good number. And surprisingly, you wouldn't expect to see that in five v five over six v six when there's one less hero. So yeah, and, and the thing that uh, I think the most positive for me was that um, tank meta is very very open. Um, obviously there's going to be major preferences for certain tanks over others. Like you just, you might see a tiny bit of hog games play and it's, it's, you're never going to see that much compared to like the Winsons and currently Diva's Aria, uh, is kind of dominating as well. Those, I think those are the top three heroes at the pro level. Um, 
generally speaking, we're, we're, we're in for a pretty fun stage. And then Kariko is going to be added into the playoffs uh, for the playoffs portion. So by the time we hit the finals in Anaheim um, and people that want to tune in for Al for playoffs, you are going to see Kariko in the hands of uh, pro player for Al. And I can't wait for like the, you know, the real lunatics like Shu and stuff, get their hands on that. And, like some of the insane flex supports that we have. Um, generally speaking though, I think over the course of this year, like a site, like I'm not going to say it's been perfect because you can only do so much in a beta. There's been, there's been bugs that have been needed to dealt with. We have obviously had a major Junker Queen meta as well, which did get a bit stale, but look, I'm glad she at least had her time in the sun, right? We got to see her in professional play. And I, I ended up starting to like the meta slightly when, you know, you still saw a lot of Sojin Genji pop off moments. Um, the mid-season Manners tournament, which is kind of like League of Legends MSI, it's like, you know, the big uh, international invitation in the middle of the year, uh, was probably some of the best overwatch i've ever seen in terms of you know across the entire history of all professional overwatch or any organized overwatch it had the highest le highest level of gameplay with some of the most diverse strategies like map to map strategies you had to actually substitute different players in with specific hero pools to execute certain map specific strategies map to map and it meant map choices were very important so for coaching staff to actually select and counter you know um counter map trades and work through that kind of deep meta strategy as well was very entertaining um and just high level of skill ceiling across the board i mean that's the, that's one of the greatest things about 5v5 is just allowing skill expression to come through uh i've never seen that before in the history of professional i've watched like not not to this level the level of skill expression we have in 5v5 is the highest it's ever been you know obviously my wish is that like despite uh, most people agreeing it was probably the best Overwatch they'd seen. You know, uh, it would be nice if the viewership was high, but I'm convinced that you know, with with more players returning, um, and hopefully with some more Overwatch League incentives, that could be a, a future thing that uh, is is boosted as well. But uh, you know, I it's just been good to see that what what dedicated audience there has been have been very uh, they they unanimously felt like we were watching some of the best Overwatch we'd ever seen. So um, that that is a good sign for me. It's a really good sign. I think it's almost like a dream scenario. If you asked about that, you know, when 5v5 was first announced, like it, many people felt like it was reaction, like it was just like a, it was a bad decision made to counter bad balance. But the fact that we're in that world now, I think, you know, the devs deserve a lot of credit. If, if at the pro level, we're seeing that much diversity, that's an amazing, like we can't yeah. ask for better than that, right? Like you, you, realistically, you're never going to get 32 out of 32 being played all the time. Like that's just not possible. So that's really, really great. There is one more thing, and it is kind of relevant to Al as well, that we can discuss that's just been announced, which is the Calling All Heroes Initiative. Guys, you got you got time for me to quickly cover that and yeah. read out read out sure. the announcement. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm just going to quickly pull it up on screen for those of you who can see my stream. Flats, you can go ahead and pull it up for yours if you'd like. I'm just going to read out. So this is a new initiative by Blizzard called Calling All Heroes. So it says, a joint program of Overwatch and the Overwatch League Calling All Heroes mission is to build an inclusive game and competitive environment for everyone. We are excited to announce a few initiatives this year that pursue the goal by focusing on equity, visibility, and community support for underrepresented genders. Developers, the League... The League office, teams, casters, players, and fans will all have an important role to play when it comes to making Overwatch a safe and welcoming community. The game team is implementing a new initiative called Defense Matrix, an infrastructure of systems designed to prote protect gameplay integrity and promote positive behavior in Overwatch 2. Defense Matrix fortifies Overwatch's security and game experience through aspects like SMS Protect, audio transcriptions, and all the new first-time user experiences, Fatui, Achu. 
to name a few that we've covered already. Uh, as the game continues to level up Defense Matrix, we're also striving to open new paths in the competitive ecosystem for players and talent. With that, we are thrilled to announce our two main programs this year, Challengers Cup and Caster Bootcamp. Challengers Cup will run, will run alongside Path to Pro in the fall and winter as an additional competitive avenue for underrepresented genters. This tournament is not a replacement for Path to Pro. Rather, we hope it will serve as an entry point for underrepresented genders to jump into the broader Overwatch esports ecosystem. And we encourage all who are eligible to participate in both the Challengers Cup and Path to Pro. We're partnering with Radiant, a production company and platform for underrepresented genders to host the upcoming Challengers Cup. It is my absolute honor to support the Calling All Heroes Challengers Cup through the whatever skip with what that guy has to say. Here's the event format with details subject to change. Qualifier one, so these are the details. This is when the qualifiers will take place, this is when the final will take place, and registration is open either to full teams or individual participants. A caster camp. The caster camp aims to provide underrepresented groups the opportunity to learn from some of the best broadcast talent in the industry, build skills, and form professional relationships. We hope that this program will create equity in the commentating space and produce a more diverse talent pool for the Overwatch competitive system. Programming for the Caster Cup will be led by Zoe, Mr. X, and other Overwatch League talent, and will cover various topics on how to be successful in esports e broadcasting. Uh, and then there's some more details here. So basically, that should summarize uh, this new initiative. So uh, really, I think I think a really great step from Overwatch to kind of. Uh, as they keep saying equity and, and allow underrepresented genders a better sort of piece of the pie. So, uh, Avril, I want to take it to you first here as the resident kind of Overwatch yeah. League uh, expert. How do you feel about this? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, something that's been um, worked on for some time and, you know, uh, people behind the scenes are very passionate about it. And I think it's um, when we look over towards some of our competitors in the space, uh, namely Valorant, they've had their Game Changers program up for some time now, which is a very similar program uh, where, you know, looking at how their uh, underrepresented genders can be supported more. Um, and so I just think, you know, this is an initiative that will sort of uh, open that space up and allow them to enter the world of competition in, in a space that will support them properly um, and hopefully allow some great opportunities to, to be fostered. And, and for everyone else, it's like sort of not going to be a part of this program. I mean, your, your general experience with Overwatch the Overwatch League and Overwatch Esports and that ecosystem is not going to be impacted. You will still, you're, I mean, your, your experience is going to truck away and, and do what it is and as it has always been. And this is this is just something that's come through uh, that is going to allow and hopefully facilitate um, growing a community for some of the underrepresented genders. And I think, the, you know, if anything, looking at how Valorant has done with the Game Changers program, um, hopefully this one will be very successful. Yeah, well said. Uh, Flats, do you have anything to add? I see you nodding. No, agreed. Um, it's it's cool to see because um, there's a lot of things that people probably don't know about. Um, for example, uh, I mean, it's this is well, of course, well known is that there's no uh, women players anymore in the Overwatch League, right? Uh, we had Grigori, but I, I think she's I think she's just like retired. I don't she know, streams I don't know she, now, I think. She streams, she streams on, like, yeah. three game channels, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, people look at that, and, I mean, to know why, there's a, there's a lot of deep-rooted things that are probably causing problems that you don't see very easily, you know? Um, it's hard to, to break into that space, and especially when it's not very welcoming, um, especially to women and, you know, people that, like, aren't on, on the inside group it's tough, you know, um, cause a lot of, and this is 
it's a sad fact of reality, especially early on and even like Overwatch League, it was like a lot of like who you know, you know, and like people gravitate gravitate more towards who they know over like maybe who actually deserves it, you know? And I think that's happened in things like World Cup and stuff in the past. And there isn't a way to support them through that. Uh, so this system is a more structured way to be able to introduce people into like what that like, you know, like almost like path to pro type of system uh, would be in a way that's protected for them because the current system doesn't work. Um, the current system obviously needs improvements on its own, uh, but it needs deep rooted psychology, like psychological fixes. And I don't think that that's really the, I don't think that's fixable at the very moment. That's, that's a, that's a much deeper conversation. Um, so this is a good way for, for Overwatch League and, and for Blizzard to like start to help those groups of people that uh, maybe have been forced out a little bit more. And I, I think the saddest part is probably uh, people are going to hear of that announcement. They're going to go, well, this is just virtue, sig virtual sig virtue signaling. And it's like, okay, so how, how would you do it then? You know, and it's like, oh, you wouldn't? Oh, okay, then, then that's a perfect example. <laughs> you know, it's like, you don't want that. It's like, the, the next example is going to be, well, what about everybody else? It's like, that's the other systems for, you know? And it's like, because that is where everybody else is, you know? Like, and that, you guys are the only one that are getting advantage. Like, you're the only one that are able to progress through the other systems. So, uh, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm, it's it's good to see. I'm glad that we're giving support to those people that need it. And I mean, uh, I hope people are against the people that are going to be vocally against it. And you, you know I'll what just, I'm talking um, about. I'll just quickly uh, um, touch up on a couple of things Flight said there. Um, and then, I, I, yeah, sorry for cutting in again. Uh, I know you guys got some stuff in there as well. But uh, just in regards to, yeah, I think like, you know, um, I will say it's not uncommon for the world of esports, like in terms of looking at the other esports and space, looking at the entire industry and the history of the industry where esports is concerned. Um, the entire history of esports basically has not had women or underrepresented genders uh, really playing in those esports and and I think really what it comes down to is having the ability to support the development of that because I, I the the equity conversation is an interesting one I think thankfully at least for the Overwatch League I I from my perspective um, there's not been an inequity I don't think anyone's been like snubbed or anything like that there's just been very little development and support for uh, women players and under represented genders and so you know they it's it's harder for them to progress through the normal systems and that's why i think you know when you look at csgo they have their women's leagues valorant has one now as well um and i think the end goal would eventually that i would like to see is um that they get to develop in their specific space and then eventually be able to integrate into you know mixed teams or um integrate into higher levels of competition where once that level of talent can be developed to a certain level that they can be picked up for higher level teams and that's a very long-term vision and, and one that uh, is I, I think consistent across all the esports because this is not an overwatch problem this is like well this is not a unique situation for overwatch it's kind of like just how everything has been in the gaming space for all esports across the board like you can look at any esport right now you currently will not find um a female woman player on those teams um not for a lack of trying but certainly you know the the, the road to development is a very arduous one it's a very uh requires a lot of effort i think requires a lot of time and it's about taking the first step and so you know i think i'm happy that uh, blizzard is taking that first step 100 i just want to echo that i also want to say that like i didn't know this news was gonna 
come out today. So uh, apologies that there isn't someone of an underrepresented gender on this call. Um, and if it, it would have been very pertinent for someone of that background to be here to speak on uh, their views and their personal experience, I can only therefore speak for myself and for no one else. But this is 100% necessary. Um, you know, whatever, I know a topic like this gets controversial. People, you know, get very uh, opinionated on this. But I think there's one thing that is pretty flat to see, which is that last the statistics check, and I've made videos on this and stuff, 25% of uh, Overwatch players are women. 25% uh, are playing Overwatch and zero are in Overwatch League. That's something's fucking wrong, right? This, that, that doesn't translate. Whatever your views might be on women and men, how they interact and how they play, that's, that's fucking, that's cap. So something has to be done. And from what we've seen over this initiative, this doesn't take away from anyone else's opportunities. It simply provides opportunities to those who had none to begin with. So I think I don't see why any reason why anyone should be unhappy of an initiative that bothers no one and simply uplifts people who clearly are not getting their chance to have their fair shot. Uh, so that's kind of all really I have to say. Uh, but Samito, what do you think? Yeah, the more places for talent to grow, the better. Plain and simple. You know, it, it's good to see you know, someone who's kind of been through the path of pro before. It, it's brutal, right? And it's it's a lot of work. There's a lot of stuff that you got to do. So, listen, any kind of love the scene can get, because th this was so special about gaming. That's why I love gaming so much. I've talked about this a lot. You know, it, it, when I say that there's nothing else quite like gaming and esports to bring the world together, you know, gaming, like, we are the first, like, competitive activity, maybe aside from, like, chess or something like that, I guess. Where, well, actually, even chess, because now you can't play, well, I guess you can't play chess across the world. That's kind of technology. Like, if you're playing online chess against somebody else, you could do that. But, you know, I, I think that gaming is the first place where it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you look like. Like, everybody should have the opportunity to play. Like, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Like, there's, there's not been anything else in humans' history where, like, your, your genetics, like, you can become something. No matter who you are, where you're from, that's really, really beautiful. So... To see more opportunities for people in general, no matter who you are, where you're from, I, I, I love that. I love that, especially in a space where, you know, you want to see a lot of diversity, especially a game that has a lot of diverse backgrounds, a game that has a scope of, like, portraying the world in a way that no one else has ever been able to artistic artistically create, I think is super, super cool. So anytime there's more opportunities for people, I, I, I don't really understand, like, you know, I've heard both the arguments, and back when I was in the Path to Pro, I might have had a very different view, because, like, when you're grinding the Path to Pro, it's like, you gotta do this. You gotta work hard. Like it's it's brutal. But when you step back and get some more perspective, more opportunities for more people is always a good thing. I don't ever think if anyone says that's a bad thing, I'm I'm just gonna disagree with that one. Um, but no, this is any love that the Path to Pro can get. Any anybody, the more people that get to experience it, I I think is something special. And I I really hope that as many people as possible take the chance to get in that team environment, take the chance to really realize your potential because you don't realize what you're capable of until you sit down and show up and do it. And you will blow yourself away. You got to push yourself and seeing more people get the opportunity to do that is, is always, always, always going to be a great thing. Cause especially in this game, this game, this, this game's path to pro is really something special. So I really want to see more people getting out there and getting after it and having fun and enjoying it. It's, it's, I can't even, you just got to do it. Just show up, just show up, and, and you'll, you'll be blown away as to how much fun you have and how much you learn about yourself. One, one last thing from me on this is just a reminder to people, um, in, in terms of anyone with negative feeling towards it, just remember, you know, it, it doesn't impact anyone else. So there's no, you, I don't, there shouldn't be a downside that you feel from it because if you're just, if you're, if you're not within the demographic that this is supporting, your experience is still what it is today. It's still the same. So, there's no downside at all. So there's, uh, I, I don't see a, 
I personally wouldn't wouldn't see any reason for any sort of negativity. This is only a positive thing from my perspective. Yeah, again, I think the normal argument of this is taking away from someone else's spot doesn't apply because nobody's getting anything taken away. So yeah, concur. Um, and just seems like a really good job. And I, I'm I'm really glad that Overwatch are taking these initiatives. And this isn't something that uh, was kind of forced upon them. This is something they've done on their own accord. So I think credit where credit is due. Uh, kudos to whatever whoever was involved in the community team to make this happen. Um, now, we have been rambling on for quite a while, fellas. It's been a while, so we had to get it all out. And there was a lot to discuss. But there's uh, a last chance now for us to get our final concluding thoughts. And you guys always know I always like to ask you some sort of open-ended final question. So, yeah, I mean, Tuesday, the promised land, it, never thought it would come. 2019, it was announced, and here we are now on the on the precipice. The gates of heaven are about to open, uh, and we're about to be let in. So kind of what is your short-term and long-term hope for, like, how Overwatch 2 launches and how it goes? I'm going to start with Flats. <sighs> My short-term hope is that uh, the commitment truly is there. Um... You know, I know that the team has very high hopes um, for the game, and a lot of people were very concerned about like the marketing of the game. You know, they're like, "Why are we not seeing any marketing? Why are we not seeing any marketing?" Well, I mean, it's clearly started to ramp up. If you haven't been looking in the last few days, um, I would assume and expect you see a lot of big streamers playing it. I bet they go the route of like Apex, where um, they pay a bunch of big streamers to play the game to see what it's like and you know show it off to more people. Uh, and to get more eyes on it, I hope they're going all out and they want it to be uh, like a big success and not just on the first day or the first week. Like it continues on for weeks. Like it's going to take a while, I think, to get the average consumer to trust Overwatch or to trust this game again. Uh, I think the hate clickbait articles is actually like a good indicator of that, where it's cool to just that's the cool thing at the moment. Kick Blizzard. That's that's the that's the cool thing, because Unfortunately, Overwatch and Team 4 has been lumped in with the other terrible shit that's happened at Activision Blizzard, even though they had nothing to do with it. They're just part of the same company. Um, they're a separate team. They work separately, and they've been lumped in with the rest and kicked like the rest. So I think it's going to take a long time to build faith with the, the overall greater gaming community, and it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a lot of pushing. Uh, so my short-term goal is I hope that people will give it a shot, and hopefully they enjoy the game and people will want to keep streaming it and keep playing it. I'm hoping that it like goes to like, I'm not expecting it's going to compete with like Fortnite and Apex long-term for at least a little bit. It's going to take some time. Um, but like, you know, long-term goes to like a 30, 40, 50,000 average viewership on Twitch and starts to get people to at least try it because that free-to-play barrier, of course, being free-to-play means that more people will at least have a shot of trying it and there's no downside. If you don't like it, uninstall it. If you like it, then you can keep playing it. And um, it, I think it's going to take a bit. And I, I know the team wants to commit to it. I just hope that it, of course, follows through. I have no reason to doubt at this point. Um, but my long-term hope is they commit to keep pushing the game and pushing for it to, to keep going and living on. And uh, we never, ever have to look back at those dark days of Overwatch 1 and those pits of despair because I don't think I can do it again. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't Agreed. think any of us can Avril yeah I think um, short term I'm hoping for a, a very smooth launch and for people that uh, you know, to echo flights give it a chance again for people that haven't uh, looked at Overwatch in a while give this a, a fresh look hopefully with with um, 
judgment aside and just uh you know with a bit of objectivity because i know you know i think the thing that has annoyed me a lot in the past few weeks to a month and certainly the last few days is um a lot of swaying of opinions through negativity which which then sort of you know carries through um and creates certain biases and sells people's opinions before they've even tried it and I, and I think you know i would just love for people to be objective and just give it a go find out for yourself if you like it or not decide for yourself whether it's a game for you whether the monetization model is for you if it's not for you don't purchase anything don't play the game even if, it, if that's the level you want to take it to um otherwise be responsible buy what you want to buy don't buy what you don't want to buy um and i would um longer term i just like to see this game be able to compete with some of the other mainstay giants in the industry and like i said i'm not i don't have any grandiose expectations or dreams or fantasies about this being as big as apex or league of legends you know i take half of that i take 50 like 40 percent of that even like you know um it, it doesn't need to be 100 250 million uh monthly player game like i'll i'll take 50 million i'll take i'll take being able to quadruple or more our current audience that would already be a gigantic win and, and then beyond that you know i'm looking for stability and growth because i think um with overwatch one we started really strong we started really big but we were on a on a sliding scale down um i remember on a, on a previous episode sam kind of uh, looked at a statistic where it's like interest in overwatch going down over time whereas typically for a game like this it should be interest going up over time that was quite a weird phenomenon surrounding overwatch and so i you know i'd like to just see us trend up and we don't even need to i think we will start reasonably large at least it's the hope with the release but um you know when that market corrects and sort of the initial hype dies down and we get the committed players i'd like to see us you know go from that gigantic hype market correct to where we're supposed to be and then slowly grow from there as long as i'm seeing growth i'm happy as long as i'm seeing like an upward trajectory of any kind that's how i know things are at least in the right direction because i i have faith in the devs that they they are handling the game and moving it into the correct direction now that that's kind of where my faith comes from um you know sure i get paid by blizzard but i'm not i'm not stupid either like i wouldn't hang around here if i didn't have to if i felt like i had better options and i've been around valorant i could be doing that game instead i have contacts in that game i could be jumping ship but i i have faith that we are moving in the right direction i want to see it through because i'm invested i think we're all invested i think we've all been part of this journey for a very long time um and to me there's not going to be an overwatch 3 this is it like this really is it this is the commitment to the free-to-play to the long-standing live service model and either this works or i guess i ha or i guess i'm done as well so like this this really just you know to me it has to work and i think you know based on the decisions that i've seen and the direction that we are going and i have a lot of faith that it will work and um selfishly as well i hope that um this will you know allow people to enjoy and get into potentially uh viewing the esport the overwatch league and doing that as well completely optional experience and doesn't impact anybody if it's not for you doesn't impact you doesn't change anything about what your experience in overwatch is but um with the larger player base you know hopefully there's a bit more support from the audience there as well because um you know i would love to share that uh, passion with everyone that i can well spoken samito man it's like i blinked and two years went by you know, like it's almost didn't feel you know, like for, that for, during him though. Didn't I feel don't like know that about that one, him. dude. <laughs> <laughs> like I got yeah, dragged yeah. face down <laughs> with like a cinder block on my. No. It was brutal. It, it was brutal. I mean, look, you know, I, me personally, I, I've put you know the last six years of my life into this game, and you know, obviously, this is my job at the, 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 at the time, and you know, I've had my share of ups and downs, mental implosions, great days. You know, it, it, it all comes around. It's all part of the journey of life. Um, 
As for Overwatch 2, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited. Like this this call's kind of brought my hype back. I was trying to weather the storm a little bit, keep my expectations middle, and like tell myself, hey, marathon, not a sprint, marathon, not a sprint, get back into it, right? Because to be honest, like as a content creator of the game, you know, I've felt pretty crushed for years, and that took a, a very, very huge, especially I, I'd say from back in the old path to pro days, like forcing myself to scrim brig, right? You know, it was it was brutal, but. I will say I, I actually am pretty optimistic for Overwatch 2 in the long term. You know, I think that with years of learning and, and years of, you know, steady, healthy updates, the game will get back to the place it deserves. And, you know, I, I want a lot of people to understand this, too. Like, you don't solve a couple years of, of unfortunate decisions overnight. And it is it is what it is. I think everyone's kind of put the water under the bridge and move forward as, as you always should in life because nothing's ever going to be perfect and I think that that's what we're going to see with Overwatch too. I think people, it's, you're going to see a healthy recovery. I think, you know, kind of like Avril said, year over year, I'm exp obviously you're going to see the big, the big jump, the decline, and then hopefully like Valorant has in, in, in terms of at least search results because we can't really tell them players that's, you know, we'll have to see what happens when Microsoft comes over too. You know, I want to see that steady increase. You know, I think this game is the best shooter game to ever come out. Um, I, I, you won't ever see anything as polished as this, and I, it deserves the just, it deserves justice. It deserves to be at the top of the world, and I think that there's a very good chance that we will see that happen. But I, I would my my guess right now, if I had to guess, I'd say by early 2024, when hopefully PVE missions start coming out and they start to like really get to like the new form of Overwatch. As a huge Borderlands fan, I've kind of talked about this, right? I'd re I, Wonderlands 2 was fantastic. I don't know if anybody played Wonderlands. Woo, fantastic game. Beautiful. Just needed more. more needed more. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited. So I'm trying to keep my patience. You know, I, you know, I'm trying to get to that adult arc of my life where, you know, I'm slowing things down a little bit, you know, and, and take a step back, you know. Um, so it's been a big personal journey for me over the last couple of years in time of figuring out who I am and Overwatch, you know, has made me grow because of it and learn so much. And not everyone who grew up in kind of the bubble that I did was fortunate enough to meet the people here that give a new perspective that this game can offer the world. And finding that balance is going to be really important. And I think that the message that this game is going to send and the gameplay, most importantly, that transcends all, is going to bring a lot of people together. And I think it's going to be a great thing. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm bullish on it. I think that we'll, we'll see in two years who's, who's on top of it. The, the people want to keep hating. We'll see, we'll see in two years. And again, I don't know for sure, but personally, let's wait and see. 100%. I mean, from my POV, uh, I know when I say what I'm about to say, people are going to bring the shill accusations again. Um, but what I would say, the counter that is that Again, I went to the summit as low as expectations could be. I mean, how much lower could your expectations be when your assumed intention is I'm never making an Overwatch video again. I'm probably never playing Overwatch again. And I can only give you guys my perspective, right? Because we all have our perspectives. I don't blame anyone who is inherently distrustful of Blizzard. I mean, as a game of Overwatch, they've made many bad decisions. As Flats mentioned as well, the company has been lumped in with a lot of bad behavior and the love that maybe 2010s era Blizzard had where everyone in the gaming industry seemingly adored them is now about far away as it could be, where actually it's fun to shit on Activision Blizzard. They're the bad guys of the gaming industry. But all I can tell you is my perspective, having met the devs there and seen what they showed me. And these guys are in this shit. They're in this shit to win, right? And this is basically a new team in many ways. Jeff is no longer here. Aaron is in charge. In the, in the time that Aaron has been in charge... I just cannot describe how good a job he's done turning it around from a dead game 
in, in, in development limbo, essentially, to now being, here's the free-to-play model, here's a battle pass, it's pretty fair, here's these heroes, here we're going to release now, we've got this marketing campaign. It is a 180 from where we were. Now, Aaron has done a fantastic job, but more than that, I think what's amazing about Overwatch currently is that we've been around as a game long enough that the devs who have been brought in now, remember, they've tripled the size of the team or whatever, they are fans of Overwatch. I, you know, again, you can tell when you're speaking to people whether they're like saying a marketing pitch or whether they genuinely mean what they say. And like every dev that I spoke to, they love this game. They're genuinely like, oh, I got into Overwatch because I played, you know, I was whatever rank and I was playing my friends and I love this character. I love that thing. They were brought to this game uh, with the same love that we, we were brought to this game with, right? The reason that we played this game is the reason they played this game. So this isn't a corporate job for them. This isn't like a paycheck. I mean, it is going to pay their bills. They need to they need to earn some money. But they love this game. And having seen that, having seen what the plan is for the future, I I have so much belief. I have so much belief in this game. So so reinvigorated. And even though I hate Overwatch 1 and refuse to play it ever again, I'm very very excited to play Overwatch 2. And I think the future is really bright. I don't see this game missing. You can clip it. You can rub it in my face when we uh tank. But I don't see this game missing, so just wait and watch, I think, as Samita would probably say. Just wait and watch. And on that note, fellas, anything else to add before we peace out for another great episode? And I'm very thankful for your time again. Thanks for having me on. Uh, my first time on the show. I enjoyed all your company and all your opinions and all the uh, discussions. It was brilliant. Thank you. Dude, you're fantastic. Seriously, yep. that was the most, that was a really, really fun podcast. You brought some great takes to the table, and I love the energy too. So that was really, really great to have you. Way to snag him. Way to make a fifth box. Yeah, we need that. <laughs> we do, we do. Guys, please do check out Avril and everyone else on the podcast. Again, exclamation mark before their names will bring up all their socials. So please do make sure you show them any love. If you've shown this podcast any love, please show the people who make it as good as it is any love you can. And on that note, yeah, I'm a peace out here. My stream will continue in a bit. Flat's enough. Your stream is going to continue. I'm going to take a, a little quick, bit. Yeah, I'm going to take a quick food and water break, but then I'll be back. I had to pee for two hours. I know, me too, me too. <laughs> so I'll peace out for a little bit, guys. But thank you so much for joining me once more to the group up cast. And thank you, Avril, for your first appearance. A fantastic one. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. Peace.